0: Hi, and welcome to episode 14 of Subspace Communique's Life After Trek. I'm your host, Chris, or Captain Pike, chief editor of Subspace Communique. Joining me, as always, is...
1: Charity, a.k.a. Crewman Becky.
0: Tonight is actually the second part of our roundtable discussion that we had with Star Trek author Dayton Ward, Star Trek Consultant, and uh, all-around awesome guy Larry Nemechek, uh, Hey Star Trek blogger Jared Formby, and also Geek Fights Damon Shaw. In the last episode, we discussed the original series, Star Trek The Next Generation, Voyager, and Deep Space Nine. Uh, This time, we actually go through the TNG movies, uh, starting with Generations and ending with Nemesis, and discussing in-depth Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, Then we also dive into the new 2009, we say new, uh, almost two years old now, but the 2009 J.J. Abrams film, Star Trek, and everybody kind of weighs in on that topic as well. This is a fantastic uh, discussion. We had a blast recording it. This episode's length is a little longer than usual. I didn't want to split this up into three parts, so this episode's actually going to run about two hours. Uh, And we hope you guys enjoy this second part as much as you did the first and as much as we did recording it. Please stay tuned. It's coming up next. That's awesome. So, enterprise, I think, is probably what we should talk about next. Obviously, it's in you know chronological order here. Um, I guess though, we could talk about um, TNG movies. Now, when we made the transition from um, Next Generation and the DS9 era into Generations, um, and that was actually before Voyager, we saw we actually saw Generations in the theater, and I have to say, the first viewing of Generations for us, we were disappointed in it. Um, I've later come to really appreciate Generations. Don't you think, babe, when we saw it the first time?
1: Yeah, but upon like renting it when it came out on video, I, I liked it then. I liked it the second time around yeah. a lot.
0: Actually, we rented it on Laserdisc. Laserdisc, Disc, yeah. That's how rad we were.
2: What changed I still have <laughs> my Generations Laserdisc in the other room. Oh, that's
0: fantastic.
3: <laughs> what, nice. guys, what, ch- what changed from that seeing it the first time disappointment to, oh, we like it now?
0: You know, I'm not really sure. I think maybe the first time I saw it, it was in a, a bad theater. And it was I, obviously Generations is very dark. Not not like tone, but the actual shooting quality is much darker than TNG was. You're in Captain Picard's ready room and it's physically darker. So it was hard for me to see. Um, you know, it just it had a weird vibe to it because well, I mean, of that.
2: You know why they did that, right? no i don't mm-hmm. they turned the lights down because they were still using the sets from the tv series which were built with television resolution in mind oh. and so when you when you blow that up to whatever 35 millimeter you know for motion picture screens all the flaws and all the all the shortcuts they took in the construction which you can't see on tv are now glaringly visible larry can back me up on this yeah and the so he turned the the solution was to turn the lights down so that you would mask some of that stuff
3: interesting.
0: that's plus, interesting
3: plus
2: there's this you had a movie you had a movie
3: dp coming in and there's this that's true that, that there's this factors, thing and yeah. move that you know like a tv has to be lit brightly because they're like throwing the lights up and moving move, move 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 shoot it in seven days and the and the movie we're going to shoot on a this is a motion picture now and there's just something about well movies are darker and tv mm. shows are lit lighter because they have to be they have to be fast and cheap and Bright lighting is is not only illuminating flaws. I mean, they got to refurbish and do some stuff too. But they did some. They just had mean, a it's... thing, yeah. And then and then the, that whole first chunk of that big part of the early movie. And I thought this for a long time, and then I went back, and somebody went, "Well, it's because they're supposedly in orbit of that solar observatory star."
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
3: And and it's like the, the the ready room scene where it's like almost there's like this amber cast to a lot of things. It's because of that star yeah. before it's blown up. But a lot well, of the stills yeah, that came out, I mean, it's odd,
2: but yeah, they. But I mean, you can see the difference in just like the the, the prologue portion of the movie is lit differently than you know right. the with Kirk's era is, is lit much differently and brighter and busier than the next than the next gen portion of it. And I I had always heard or at least that's everything everything I've always read about the making of that movie was that you know they were working off the, the original sets and there was only uh-huh. we're talking what a matter of just a handful of if days if right. if, if that between the ending of the filming of the pilot. Or the of uh, the series finale, right. and then starting production on the movie, they you know the, I think the cast got what a couple of weeks, Larry. Couple of weeks, and it, and
3: you know, they were overlapping when they shot the curtain, the B scenes with Scott and right. Kirk, and all mm-hmm. that. So they were so overlapping was, uh, with the end of all good things. They were shooting; right. they were both at the same time. Yeah.
2: So they they literally went right into filming for the movie. So whatever refurbishing or 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 enhancements they gave to the sets, you know, I think they did the most with the bridge they added some stations and they add i think they changed up the right. deck and i don't it's been a while since i've seen it but i remember that yeah, they, they did they they
3: brought some foreground some some forward yeah. stations and they took they did an outer layer around the ramp down so that you could right. stay up on that level with that yeah
2: so but i mean otherwise yeah. it's just the same sets they'd been using for 7 years you know which uh, uh, some of that had been refurbished from the movies you know right. that preceded the show so that stuff was showing its age
4: i i i never liked generations it was, I, But that's because by the time I started watching it, it Generations, I was a nitpicky fan, and I was able to pick that movie just mm. clean apart with just logic flaws. That that was like, but, you know, uh, Picard jumping out of the Nexus at the exact point, you know, like 10 minutes before he jumped in. Like, wait, why didn't he jump out before, you know, the Enterprise crashed? Why didn't he jump out? I mean, if you can jump out at any point in time, why didn't he jump out? way earlier that little things like that just bugged the mess out of me and and then he, then he did jump out 10 minutes earlier where did old picard go so let's that, that's that's why i don't like to talk about generations
2: <laughs> i was gonna say it's also the first star trek movie that i think a lot of us got spoiled by the internet
0: oh I mean, right for okay. me it
2: was anyway i mean i remember people, somebody had leaked a copy of the script and we all knew that kirk was gonna die mm. and you know, so I think it was the first Star Trek movie I, where I went in knowing how it was going to end. Um, I, I mean, bet other you were than
4: and leaked it, <laughs> <laughs> no.
2: but I mean, you know, the internet web you know websites were just getting going, and and you know AOL was where if you weren't on AOL, you were on Prodigy or CompuServe or Genie or one of those services, and that's where I remember reading the first spoilers for a Star Trek flick on the internet was about mm. Generations.
3: Yep. Here's here's some trivia for online trivia. Uh, generations was the first movie to have its own website as a mm-hmm. marketing promotion. Yeah. Not the first Star Trek movie, the first movie period.
0: Wow. That's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. All right,
3: Mark that well, used to be a producer of Trek.com, He was, when they had Paramount Digital Kitchen up in Silicon Valley and that was their experiment was, you know, the studio was like, okay, we're going to fund you guys. What will this look like if we have like a website for a movie? And they picked, <laughs> genera- you know,
2: well, so if we're going to do, do that kind of trivia now, the, the first Happy Meal promotion was for Star Trek The Motion Picture. That's right. Dude, there's all What's kinds really? of firsts. That's amazing. That's yeah, cool.
0: Yeah. Now, I know Jared has some pretty insightful thoughts on Generations. He and I actually had a, a, a geek battle. I won't call it a geek fight. It was a geek battle. Uh, on, it was a geek skirmish. It was a geek skirmish. That's perfect, actually. A geek flap? No, yeah. no, no. That's Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's graphic. Yeah, that's... Okay. So it was actually on uh, geekblips.dailyradar.com, which is now defunct. Um, but I know Jared has some, some pretty good insight on this.
5: Chris, did we kill a site? <laughs> I think we did, yeah.
0: We were solely responsible for killing that site.
5: <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I love Generations. I love it. Um, I, I, I think it's the only good next-gen movie. Um, I think it's the bravest of the four. And, uh, the biggest reason for that is that it is making the transition from a television show into films. And just as there's talk about Voyager having all this potential, generations arrives with so much potential. It says, uh, this isn't TV anymore. This is, uh, mortal danger. And, uh, Picard is going to be facing challenges that are not going to be as cut and dry as what he's used to, what you are used to. So Picard himself is going to have to change and evolve and, uh, bringing in Kirk. I mean, God, I want, I hate that Ronald Moore and Brandon Braga, like rip on this story and their script. I mean, I've listened to that commentary track and I just want to wring their necks because now they're old people and they're criticizing their younger selves and their younger selves had the right instincts. The right instincts being that Picard has always been able to talk himself out of just about anything. Most next generation stories end with some kind of uh, speech or some kind of insight or some kind of diplomatic thing. I mean, that's what he's known for. And none of that works in generations. He's up against a fucking madman, and he doesn't know how to win. He has to go into the Nexus and get Captain Kirk, and Captain Kirk has to say, Oh, dude, I've fought a madman like every other week. You just beat the (laughs) shit out of him. And it's awesome that that's what Kirk teaches Picard. and. And son of a bitch, if the original ending where, where Kirk got shot in the back, the one that the fans went, oh, holy shit, it. the <laughs> one the one that they ruined, the fans ruined? If that had been intact, oh my God. I mean, I'm not saying it would have helped generations uh, any more or any less, because even with their intact ending, the one that they wanted, the fans still hate generations, at least it would have stuck by its guns. That moment when Picard Um, sees what happens. He comes up on the scene. Kirk has been shot dead. And he just shoots Malcolm McDowell. He just shoots him. Like, oh, fuck this. He just does that. And I'm like, oh my God, this is totally setting up for Picard to have some fucking kick ass movies. And, and that's why I love Generations. I love the, the, the fucking scene in the, uh, in stellar cartography where he dresses down Data. Like, you need to mm. get a grip, dude. Yeah. There is no way to get rid of that chip. And you got to start functioning. And you've wanted this your whole fucking life. Well, welcome to it. And now we're on. And every movie after that has has retreated from addressing Data's emotion chip. They started openly acknowledging it as a joke or a mistake. Mm. And by the end, when he dies, I don't know who the fuck Data is. Because right. the moral... Mortal coil had been altered in generations, and they decided that it was too difficult or not uh, easy enough. Yeah. How can we tell a story with it. that in the way? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just changing data was another part of that. So generations like promised so much. I think the other movies are total shit. But generations, <laughs> I will totally watch and rewatch that one because I love it. I love the the crash of the enterprise. I love how Riker like will not, no matter what, allow himself to be thrown from that chair. He's gonna ride that chair the whole fucking way. <laughs> and when he does this, right back up in the chair and he is hard as balls, dude, fucking gonna ride that shit out. And it's great. It's oh. great. I never got anything like first contact, insurrection, and fucking Nemesis can piss off a cliff. I just love generation. So That's what I'm saying.
0: See, this is why we have Jared on the show. He's always got oh. awesome insight. Oh,
3: okay. Because I was starting to wonder. And, <laughs> I mean, no, we're sure never going to get that.
2: anywhere if you won't open up.
3: <laughs> yeah. uh, man, Damn. Like that. Damn it, man. Tell me what you really think.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. That's Careful awesome.
3: there. He might
4: do that. <laughs>
0: No, that's awesome, and you don't give Deanna Troy the keys to the ship, right? I mean, <laughs> she crashes in Generations, she crashes in Nemesis. Um, obviously, that not being the only problem with Nemesis, um, but you know, the thing that drives me crazy about the Next Generation films is that Worf somehow ends up on the ship every single time, right? I He's mean, so and, I mean, it makes sense, but they're they're. They're little haphazard stories as to how he ends, ends up the, on the ship is kind of odd. The only one that really works is uh, First Contact, uh, where he's fighting yes. the Borg and in the, in the Defiant, because that's what the Defiant was made for, was fighting the Borg. So it makes total sense.
4: I, I actually prefer, uh, even though I hate insurrection, I love how he's in insurrection, because it's just like, yep, I'm here, and they, <laughs> it, and they just keep yeah. going. That's my favorite because I don't. I understand. know the motherfucker's supposed to be there, so just yep, I'm here. Let's go. And and you
2: know. I think they even play with that in the script. I mean, they even yeah. have the card say like, "Well, what the hell are you doing here?" <laughs> I mean, it's, they, 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 it's, it's kind of like Die Hard two when when McClane is crawling through the airport and he's like, "How does the same shit happen to the same guy twice?" <laughs> I mean, he acknowledges the ridiculousness of the premise, right. and then they keep moving. Right. You know, and, and if, in fact, and I think. The, yeah, I was going to say, Worf tries to offer an explanation about how he got on the ship in the first place, and it gets drowned out mm-hmm. by other dialogue because they shift the camera away from him. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's almost oh. like they know it. They, 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 there's no really good way to justify it. We have to acknowledge it somehow, and then we just move on. If the
3: next uh, it's gen. Totally era, justified.
5: Anytime Worf is visiting, it's going to be a fucking movie. They know that. I'm, they get ready. <laughs> I was going to say, it's it's if, those contract, next so. gen,
3: if those next gen red shirts had any lick of sense, if you saw Worf walk on the <laughs> E, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs>
0: So Next Gen it launched or not Next Gen sorry First Contact launched in 96 Six. I believe yeah So it was you know after Worf's on uh DS9 and and even Cisco doesn't he say something about Worf uh damaging the Defiant in later episodes yep. right after that came out
3: They would try to uh, make one or two little cute to things like that coming in and out
0: Yeah and you know I for me I have to say not that I don't like Generations and and i think this is obviously the fan consensus but first contact is uh my favorite obviously uh from generate from from the next generation movies um insurrection nemesis it like it, slow, it started going downhill from there obviously but so what do you guys think about first contact was it was it a, a win immediately for you or were you, or did it have to sell you on its premise
2: it was fun i mean it was a it was it was a fun night at the movies for me i mean i i don't i don't really none of the next generation films really hold that much for me you know on repeat viewings i'll watch one i'll watch any of them if they if i catch them if you know like uh uh, because sci-fi channel and uh, amc will run them periodically so i'll catch them and i'll watch them but i don't i don't love them the way i like the original series movies sure yeah um Um, they don't they don't grab me the same same way. way um That's the. That's. I mean, first contact was fun. I remember going to the theater on opening night. We had a good time with it. We, you know, we, we had we enjoyed ourselves. But like Jared said, it didn't really do anything that the TV show hadn't already done. Right. And that was probably the the biggest knock knock against against the next gen films is they were basically just more expensively produced television episodes. Mm. They didn't really push the envelope a little bit.
0: Yeah, i could see that. Of course that. you could
2: say that about the original series films too, except for the first one, they didn't really try to push the boundaries of what they could do with the format.
0: Well, i don't know, man. Con, it was the first con, emergence yeah, of but, the space moon. I
2: guess mean, that it was, you know, it's like, eh, yeah, but i mean, it was yeah, Con, but i'm just saying this, in terms of I- the idea or the or the core theme sure. of the movie, i mean, they didn't really didn't really reach for it. Right like they did after the first one and a lot of that was budget related too because you know they, they really overextended on the first one but and i'm not saying i don't enjoy them i do um but those are that's probably my biggest gripe about the next gen movies is they all felt especially insurrection felt like just a long oh, tv yeah. episode
0: yeah and i think damon was actually gonna i could hear the echo i think he was gonna yeah DM. he was getting
2: ready
3: to pounce <laughs> i heard the door open <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh yeah well First Contact wrecked Escape from L.A. for me because <laughs> I was in the theater to see Escape from L.A. and had no idea there was going to be a First Contact trailer. And I saw the First Contact trailer, and I'm like, "Oh my god, that movie's going to be great!" And I left the theater to call my friend and say, "That movie's going to be great." And then I, are
2: I sure it was. To... This... Are you hmm? sure it was Escape from L.A.? Because Escape from L.A. came out later. I thought.
4: No, it was Escape from L.A. Are you sure about that? Don't, don't make
2: me Google it on you, man. I, I'm already there. No, it was the revival, right?
4: No, no, no. It was Escape from LA because I, I, I distinctly remember going, wanting to leave the movie, and I'm watching the movie, going, "I want to watch that Star Trek movie. I want to watch 96. That Star Trek
0: Yeah, 96. I think I think Escape from LA came out in summer of '96 because we actually went saw that in the theater, and then Generate or First Contact came out in fall, November, right? right? Okay, yeah. Yeah,
4: yeah but uh, yeah. I, I, I really enjoy that movie, and uh, I I, I oh, still do.
0: Escape from L.A., is that your point, <laughs> No, no,
4: no, no, First Contact. <laughs> uh, Escape from L.A., uh, they lost me with the surfing on the tidal wave. But yeah. still, uh, First Contact is
5: we of... We make uh, First Contact and Escape from L.A. <laughs> yeah, I was
2: going to say, you should have left Escape from L.A. when you saw the trailer. It would have saved you <laughs> the agony of having to
3: watch Escape
5: from L.A. Well, Holy I-
2: smoke, did you know they're redoing
3: Conan? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm still at
1: IMDb. <laughs> it's on IMDb
4: going down rabbit trails. Well,
6: I gotta get out of IMDb. Okay, I'm back. Larry, had,
3: keep
2: keep Larry away from the shiny things. <laughs> oh my
4: gosh. <laughs> I, I really have no complaints with First Contact, even though I understand why people dislike it. Uh, I when 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 they go, you know, the Borg Queen puts a face to the Borg, and the Borg are scary because they have no face and things like right, that. Right. I, I completely understand it, but I sure do have a shitload of fun, even with the the, the crappy lines like "lock and load" and crap like that. I have I, I still enjoy those in- movies. What was
0: hmm? that, Jared?
4: Is that Generation? That's incorrect.
0: Oh, that's, that's insurrection. Yeah, oh you're right.
4: Yeah, well, that's because we hear heard it a thousand times right. every day standing out in the museum. Sorry. The one,
0: the one shining moment from from first contact though is Alfre Woodard. She was fan oh, freaking fantastic. Yeah. And and James Cromwell too. He was fantastic. I was
3: going to say the what I I haven't heard this much bashing on first contact. I mean, well well seasoned well critiqued but, but I I do think and maybe it's just a sign of where things proportionally are, but Going off and having doing all the stuff they did with the whole Zephyr Cochrane timeline and having him be a flawed alcoholic, genius, whatever, and, and portraying that and of course they got to play with it. And then having him come around and, and I thought that that was that was a nice touch. I mean I I like that. Talking part about of Brandon it. and Ron like being young. Yeah. Talk about them being younger versus uh their older selves and went out and did that. But I, I What's amazing here? One last thought on generations. What's amazing is when you think that generations they labored over for like a year and a half or two years, and then they got they had to crunch out the all good things finale script on TV in a month.
0: Mm. Wow! Wow!
3: Which shows you maybe. But but then they everything (laughs) about a lot of stuff about first contact was what did we do wrong or what what do we need to fix the way we did it in generations? So they, I mean, I know they were happy. I mean, they it almost wound up being modular and they swapped people around, and you know originally it was. Picard on the ship and and Riker on the uh the other way around. It was um, Riker on the ship and Picard on the planet, and they mm. they swapped that so so that um, Picard could face the Borg Queen directly. But I gotcha. um, yeah, but no, I I thought it's the fun, and you know, and we were talking about Troy a while ago, and they, was it Jared that was talking about that? What did you think about you know the the little scenes in the bar and, and her being drunk and the time thing? I mean, they they actually wrung some some. A I little little bit like the of humor.
2: You know, there was a lot know. of humor in it compared yeah. to Generations. There was more humor. It was a little more lighthearted, even with the threat. Um, but and I liked what they did with Cochrane, and I think it also has one of Jerry Goldsmith's more underrated film scores. Oh yeah, um, especially if you've heard the expanded version, yeah. which is hard to come by. But um, it, if you hear that apart from the movie, it is one of I think it's one of his underrated efforts. Yeah, it's it's the um, most
0: beautiful out of the the Star Trek uh, movie scores for sure.
2: I wouldn't go that far, but. It's close. It's in the ballpark. <laughs> um, I wouldn't go all the way to the rail with that one, but I'll, I'll let you add. I mean, it's it's in the top five. I'll give you that one. Yeah, um, definitely. But at least for me, in my opinion. Um, but I liked it. I um, My biggest thing was, like I said, it, just, it really didn't, other than giving the face to the Borg, it really didn't do much beyond what the TV show had already done as far as, pushing the envelope a little bit i what i did like was that patrick stewart finally got the chance to have a little fun mm. and and, th- and do a kirk you know his version of a kirk thing and i always in my head i always rationalized that as he took kirk's speech in generations to heart you know don't take promotion don't let him put you in an office stay out here and keep making a difference mm-hmm. and I, oh that's I, interesting I, I tend to think that the way he's portrayed in the subsequent movies is because he took that advice to heart as much as he could yeah um Otherwise, it's just like, what? Why is this old dude running around when all these younger guys could be doing? It? So, but I, I'm always, you know, I just—that's how I rationalize it when I have to write for the character.
0: Sure. But, no, that's that's actually that's, really interesting.
5: And so that's geek logic. That's great. Yeah, that's perfect.
2: Yeah, well, you got yeah. You, I, we're always trying to find rationalizations for what the hell happened on screen. You know, it's like it's just part of the job.
0: <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, <laughs>
4: I also like the fact that they didn't really shoehorn in anybody into that uh, into that movie. Like, uh, the doctor appears for a half a second, even though she's throughout the movie, but she has her moment. Everybody gets a moment, and that's all they need. In, in the other movies, sometimes it felt forced, but not really in, in first contact, at least for me.
0: Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, I'm... Even even the EMH shows up and it seems appropriate. So yeah. I know what you're oh, saying.
2: it's perfect. It's absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite f- parts of the whole film because again, I'm a big Bob Ricardo fan. So, but seeing him pop up and I guess that was Larry can can confirm or deny that, But wasn't that his idea? Didn't he actually come to somebody and say hey, why you need an EMH? Well, I think he'd movie. been.
3: Yeah, I think he probably did that along. The sad thing is, after that happened, it was like, oh, let's stick a cameo in every movie and then the one the cork yeah. moment got cut out of insurrection but
2: well i mean i guess he had a discussion with berman or somebody about you know mm-hmm. if you're gonna have an emh why not me and i guess the you know the rationale was that they were going with was well why would he look like you <laughs> and Ricardo's like why wouldn't he look like me he's a computer <laughs> program you know why am i not everywhere and so i'm glad they did yeah.
3: that right and then uh they then they wound up doing a little more with that on on ds9 as well mm. as voyager right i had zimmerman on ds9 yeah
0: definitely i know jared you've got some pretty i know jared's pretty pretty uh insightful to to first contact I, I i'm guessing that you're it's not your favorite
5: no 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 it's not um and it wasn't it wasn't the uh the night i saw it um i had to drive uh two hours to see first contact i was hyped i couldn't wait for it and uh and uh, watched it, and I uh, was there with those same uh, nerds I described from childhood that grew up in the neighborhood. Um, we all went together, and uh, at the time, we were even running like a Star Trek role-playing game. I mean, we were fucking deep fried. <laughs> and it's the reason that, uh, that uh, um, it, didn't, it didn't wash for us, uh, for all of us. I mean, we, we went right into it like a, a, a two-hour car ride home talking about what we witnessed and you'd have think we'd have seen uh, episode one. I mean, <laughs> we uh, we completely uh, ripped that whole scene. We ripped into its backside, like, mm. and it went on after we'd gotten home, and we were about to. We were tired. we were ready to leave, and we were still talking about it. Um, there's just way too much. I mean, a lot of the stuff that I don't like has already been kind of voiced here. I mean, the the face of the Borg Queen thing. The Borg Queen is huge. I mean, that is the worst thing that's ever happened to the Borg. And what I love is in all of my research, and again, this is fun because there's Larry Nemechek here, um, I discovered that uh, a Borg Queen and or King was something that Michael Piller was resisting way back at the best of both worlds um, because they knew they had a really hot villain and michael pillar was challenging that writers room like come up with something come up with something we need to bring these guys back because they're really cool and the writers would be like well if you could like if there could be like a queen bee or a king bee maybe mm-hmm. uh we'd be able to do more with these guys from week to week because the way they are now um there's no reasoning there's no bargaining there's nothing i mean it's just basically a show up you got to run <laughs> and we cannot invent a story that's going to be compelling enough unless there's something that Picard can manipulate or work with. Yeah, well, how do so you how do you Tiller, play
3: against uh, an unseen chorus? Right. <laughs> it's like that's not exactly right. you know dramatic.
5: So Pillar was like, "No way, no, you're not doing that. You're not doing that. You can't do that." And uh, and when Pillar went to write his finale for uh, for the best of both worlds, part one. He was like, well, I see what they mean now that I'm trying to work with this shit, <laughs> but couldn't, uh, compromise on his own philosophy. He had to keep that Borg integrity. So he's like, okay, they're going to assimilate the Card," And he's not a King B. You know, he, did, he invented that whole unified voice thing for, uh, Lacutis to kind of come in there and do that. And that was the most he was ready to compromise on the Borg idea. And... You get the first contact, and it's like a fucking oh well, fuck it, dude. You know, remember how fucking Yon Town, for the Borg was. We're just gonna fucking con it out. We're gonna get it like a face. We are got the card deal with a face, and the card can actually be the card to this face. And that that is that's the weak component. I mean, I know that uh, there's probably some people hearing this and rolling their eyes that it's a problem, but this was the all-out classification of the Borg concept. I mean, that's, that's what happened. They, they let all the air out of the balloon, and uh, they just could not think of a way to let that board keep coming like that. And I just think that had the board stayed the way they were supposed to be, they could have worked that out. I think it'd be a great film.
0: Wow. You still there?
5: I think I'm, here. Losing Larry. Are we losing? I'm here. I
0: think we're losing Larry. Yeah. yeah. Sounds like he's trying to dial up with a modem.
5: What's it's an advantage that Larry's calling from 1996.
0: <laughs> I think I'm going to hang up on Larry and we'll call him back. Okay. Sorry, Larry. Anyway, so, yeah, no, I, I know what you're saying about first contact. Yeah, I mean, that makes – you know, I never really thought about it. I mean, I did to an extent. I thought about I thought about the, the Borg having a queen, and that doesn't really make any sense. But now that you actually put that out there, that makes – it kind of it doesn't sway me with first contact, but it does kind of it does make a lot more sense.
4: And it actually lays the groundwork for the Borg sucking in Voyager.
0: Right, right. Yeah. I
1: always kind of felt like the Queen, though, was sort of the echo that Locutus left behind. Ooh. Like Locutus kind of started that singular type of thing, and and the Queen was sort of what became of that sort of thought that was left in the collective.
5: And, and, and what's really great about that is the fact that uh, even Brennan Braga and Ronaldy e. Moore could not come up with a good definition for the queen. Mm. It was like, I'm the voice that is many, I'm the many that is one. And Dylan even challenges her. He's like, So what the fuck are you talking about? And she's like, Oh, you got a cutie mind. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, I hate this movie. Answer <laughs> <fucking> question, lady. <laughs> oh, boo. <laughs> I was like, More. Okay, you got nothing. That's you realize awesome. it's a problem, but you got nothing. <laughs> Puny mind, dick. <laughs> that's where I'm at.
0: So, hang on just a second. <laughs> I'm going to try and call Larry back. See if we can get him back in 1996. Because <laughs> I was doing that while you were talking. That's why it was kind of sure. Yeah, Larry, you're totally breaking up. If you can hear, she might have to restart your machine.
5: Reconnect,
0: you Larry. Larry's a robot. Kill it. <laughs>
6: Oh.
0: Wow, that, that is was a modem. that was a modem. Think Larry is called his fax
2: machine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that can't be a modem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's see if I can. I'll ping him on. Oh, he, actually, it looks like his his uh, he just dropped off. So he's going to restart. He's restarting yeah. There we go. Now he's back on. Let's try that one more time.
4: First contact is totally on sci-fi right now. Is it really? <laughs> is it really? And not not the not. First contact. Hello. First contact. There oh, we oh. go. Yeah. Okay. I just restarted. I heard you guys till the bitter
3: end till you cut me off. I never. I never had a problem on this.
0: <laughs> it literally sounded like a modem. It was insane.
3: And then uh, that's fun. And then uh, I came back on, and then it hung up on again. So Aww.
0: yeah, that was me pushing buttons. Sorry, Larry.
3: <laughs> so don't push my buttons.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so now that we've talked about first contact, uh, and Damon says the first contact is playing right on now, Sci-Fi yeah. right now, which is kind of fortuitous. But it's um. not
4: first contact. First contact. It's TNG first contact. It's oh. the episode where Riker's on the planet and he's Dude. all messed up. Yes, <laughs> I
0: hate that episode. Anyway, why
4: do you why do you hate that
3: episode?
0: Well, it's just it seems like such a throwaway episode for me. And I think you know what cheapens it for me is the and part BB where New Earth and and okay, yeah, that part where she wants to you know have sex quote unquote with an alien. I just thought that was like really that's where we're going with this, but.
4: Well, I- I was annoyed that they couldn't find him on a planet of uh, aliens. He's the only human. Why not just beam him up? But the, <laughs> that would that would wreck the whole story. Okay,
0: that makes it even more lame. Now that I I I've thought about that. Although you know, I the 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 prime directive conversation that they have at the end that's pretty interesting. Um, but for a, on a whole, I'm not a huge fan. They of that.
3: broke open the prop bottle of Picard family wine that he'd had since family. This is a classic <laughs> episode, people uh, of continuity. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's good. So now that we've talked about first contact, do we even want to talk about insurrection and nemesis? Okay, no. can I just Ex-
3: say about insurrection? Yes, that Michael got his shot at doing a script. He kind of came back out of the cold. He wanted to have – he wanted to do a Heart of Darkness movie and have the protagonists be Romulans. And Rick and the studio think tank said, no, Romulans are boring. Go off and do something new and cool. And he said, well, no one will be as invested if we have to drum up new all new aliens and create a backstory for them, which is what happened. Mm. And then the next movie, John Logan – gets I mean Nemesis, we can talk about it till the cows come home. But what does he do? He uses Romulans and – um and you know reinvents and reinvents Remans on the side and all this stuff. Michael lived long enough to know that was to see the movie. And when I did the last interview we did together, I was doing redoing the book, and he said, "I said so." They told you the Romulans were boring and wouldn't let you have done it, and blah blah blah. And who knows what it would have eventually wound up if it had been anything. But I bet some of the problems of Nemesis wouldn't have been there had they been able to start with a known quantity. And then the fact that Abra Kurtz- Kurtzman and Orsi have renegade Romulans in 09. Mm. I mean, it's just like, I don't know, I just always feel badly for him that he couldn't do his original.
0: And uh, that's Michael Tiller for everybody out yeah. there. Who's...
5: Did you read a draft of that original version for Insurrection? Yeah, yeah in
3: fact, uh, well, he never Is got... That to that like something
5: like email Story. people like me? I'd love to read that. <laughs> he, well, he had he a did book. That,
3: yeah, he did the book that uh, uh, I think, Fade Out or whatever, but he did the book that pocket – one got – one studio executive at uh, Paramount got PO'd, not because of any one thing, but he was just like, you can't talk about the way we make movies like this, and totally bizarre. And it and it, every once in a while, somebody pops it on the internet, and you can grab it. If I've got a copy because he gave me a copy to you. He says, here, this will save a lot of time.
5: Yeah, I've got the book, man. I've got that book.
3: Yeah. That's it's, a good it's, book. If, if they don't, If there's not a story – it never got to script, but if there's a story draft – it's in there, but I, I can't remember. I just remember him oh, okay. talking about
0: it. Now, is that the one that, that Trek Corps posted last year and Michael right. Pollard's family asked them to take it down? Yeah. yeah, that's the one. Okay. I have a copy of that too. Uh, Darren emailed it to me just out of the blue, which that was awesome. Be,
5: that, like brown paper bags to Star Trek fans at conventions. Great-
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and those two movies, I saw them in the theater and thought they were fine. Um, I mean, obviously there's issues and nemesis was, I, John Logan, and it's funny because in Vegas, Frake said, or maybe it was Dallas. Frake said, nemesis wasn't my fault. So, I mean, I guess it was felt throughout the, the cast and crew as well. Um, it's such a Frank, downer wait. that that's what they so, ended on.
3: Uh, wait, you said, Frake said that nemesis wasn't his fault? Right.
0: Yeah, that's what he said.
3: As a as a director or as an actor?
0: Just in general, I think.
3: I think that's what oh, he started okay, his okay. panel with. Yeah. Yeah, that's what oh, he
0: started okay. his panel with.
3: Okay, I was going to say because he didn't direct it, but yeah.
0: Right. So
3: The sad thing about Nemesis is I'm, when I finally, finally, finally got to read a script, I, I it, was, it was incredible. It was like a novel because I couldn't wait to turn the next page. And the script is talking about the ship's crap you know, You'd never seen Enterprise ram anything. That was only like the few things just as a checklist of – a bucket list of Star Trek things. And then not only did they ram, but they wrenched ap- – the script talks about them wrenching apart like two old – You know, uh, uh, boxers pounding away at each other kind of a thing or getting disengaged. And then to see that and a lot of other things. And then to see it on screen, it was like, where did that script go? Yeah, I mean, it was like the first time that – because they always said, Jesus, Star Trek movies are way better than the – sometimes they're way better than the scripts have any right to be. They lift everything – the actors, the cast, and the visual design lifts it off the page. That was the one time I thought that the filmed thing – Betrayed the script, and I don't blame any of that on... And Logan, they got watered down two or three times by then because so I many people were putting their fingers on it. Mm. I lay that totally yeah. at the feet of the wannabe director who direct, who they let direct it. So. Yeah.
0: Well, he directed Executive Decision before that, right? Yeah.
5: He was like an editor that saved quote, 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 a couple of movies. That was his first movie.
0: That was his first movie, is that what you said?
5: He was a movie editor, and I still see his name. I can't remember right now, but... He was a movie editor.
2: That was his Stuart first major Baird. motion picture. Stuart, Stuart
0: Baird is his name. Yes. Yes. That's yeah. what I meant. I'm sorry. I was saying John Logan. You're right, Stuart Baird. Yeah, it's... Uh, and I heard that, that he actually... And this is from Jonathan Frakes, too, in, in Dallas um, last year. He said that uh, the reason the Okudograms, the L cars, were all blue was because Stuart Baird said, Everything's got to be blue.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If nothing else, as a work item... <laughs> The art department is going okay. Here's the stuff we pull out of you know storage, and at least we've got all the enterprise stuff is done. Now we'll work on spend our time, energy, and money on the all the new stuff that had to be designed for that movie specific. And he came in and said, "I want the spectrum palette on this to be bluer." And they went really, so they had to take every damn Jeez. file and you know.
0: I mean, and, is that how it works? Like a director can come in and, and mandate that kind of stuff? Well, that's yeah. You know, like, that,
2: yeah, I mean, film is a director's medium. I mean, he, he's the one who gets to make mm-hmm. all those kinds of decisions. Gotcha. And, Which is I mean, what
3: he kept trying to tell everybody.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and Rick was actually... Yeah, Rick was blame actually... TV for the writers. The yeah, you can, yeah. You can blame writers when it comes to TV, but for film, it's the director. Mm. So.
0: What were you going to say, Larry, about, about Rick?
3: No, I said Rick was... I mean, a lot of people want to jump on Rick on Nemesis, and really, he was kind of... I think maybe it was... I don't want to say intimidating, but he was all into consuming being consumed on developing enterprise and saving the franchise the next big thing and he kind of handed not he didn't ride nemesis as hard as he for good or for bad he didn't ride it as hard as the other movies mm. and Baird wound up being able to have an issue with every single actor and design head nice <laughs> to the point where John Dwyer quit as set design as set decorator who'd done John Dwyer did every original series as set dresser from the Triple Tribbles onward, and he did the first season of Next Gen, and whenever Herman was designer on the movies from Five onward, he was the set decorator. And the Next Gen, he, and he was a great storyteller, too. And he had, he was the one that made sure in the movies that, like, the Sherlock Holmes cap was hanging in the corner of, and you know, of Data's room, and that Picard's chair had the talking tapestry hanging, mm-hmm. all the little things for fans he made sure and have in there. And they would do their set walks, and and whether it was that or anything else, and and Baird didn't. So halfway through the movie, he he made him redo stuff like the night before they were shooting. And halfway through, it's like, you know, fine. He he, I, I couldn't believe it. But and I don't want to do too much dirty laundry here, but mm. it was really kind of that way for. And the actors, if you if they're like Marina or some <laughs> some of the more honest ones, would say that it's like it, it was just a matter of time before everybody had their blow up day with him.
0: So nice, yeah. And it shows in the film. And Damon, you were going to say something.
4: I I always wonder why Nemesis is at least by the fans collectively the worst Star Trek film and it, it always bugs me because Insurrection to me is so boring. I mean, don't get me wrong, Nemesis has tons and tons of faults, but there's a lot of fun stuff to watch if you're not nitpicking it. It's they're blowing stuff up, they're shooting things, they're beating people up. In insurrection its, it's so <clears throat> infinitely boring, and people are always like, "Oh no, Nemesis! Nemesis is horrible!" And then you mention Insurrection, and they go, "Oh, huh? I forgot about that movie!" <laughs> like it just got, completely wiped from their memories, and it just all the hate goes to Nemesis, and I don't understand that for the life of me.
0: I think it's because uh, Insurrection seems like a season seven episode of TNG and they're like, oh yeah, I remember that episode. (laughs) (laughs)
4: Yeah, yeah, but season seven has a lot of bad episodes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Masks, Genesis. Dude,
0: masks. uh... Oh my goodness. Wow. That's a bad episode. (laughs) I I think part of the
5: problem. That that, uh, felt, feels to me like uh, what Dayton Wood was describing when he was overseas. And he was totally like a big room and they watched Star Trek together with a crowd. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I watched that Star mentioned. I watched the premiere. Like we see, we were seeing it like uh, three hours before it actually aired or something. It was something weird like that. We were all so hyped, and it was total shit.
0: <laughs> Are you talking <laughs> about masks or insurrection? Masks. Oh, masks. that's bad. You but, saw that at a Star Trek convention?
5: Oh, <laughs> yeah. Wow. But, yeah. Somebody should fire that guy. <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna have a collective embarrassment for how hyped we were to see it before anybody else and that was um, what we
2: saw. <laughs> I, I went to go see insurrection at a press screening. Uh my co writer Kevin Dillmore, was working for a newspaper at the time and he was also working for Larry at the mm-hmm. Star Trek Communicator magazine and he managed to score uh you know passes for the you know, the press screening, you know, where they get to go watch it a couple days early and then write their reviews up so it's in the paper on the Friday that film gets opened. And it was a you know it was a packed house because it was all reporters and people who'd won contests off the radio or got flyers from the comic book shop or whatever, and we all came out kind of scratching our heads like well i i I kind of want to like it, but something's wrong I don't get it and I think everybody was coming off you know everybody remembered first contact, which was mm-hmm. fun despite any gripes we might have aired tonight about it. It was a fun movie but insurrection just fell short somehow and there was you couldn't quite put your finger on it at that moment what right. what was bothering you and then when you get home you're like well yeah it's basically just something i saw on 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 the tv series and it did kind of it did kind of stumble along through its storyline and i mean and you know the humor they tried to put in it was kind of it felt forced it didn't it didn't it didn't come organically from the storyline or from the character situations it was just kind of like thrown in for just 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 to try to get a laugh. I mean, everything felt kind of forced in the movie. Yeah. That was good. It yeah. has its moments. There are a couple of good scenes in it, but um and I love the music. Again, Goldsmith's score for that movie is even pretty underrated if you listen to it apart from the movie. Um, the only one I really never liked of Goldsmith was for Nemesis. It seemed like everything just kind of misfired for Nemesis to <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, it was odd.
0: It was definitely It odd. just
2: felt like everybody everybody and you could tell, you know, I didn't know until after I'd seen the movie about the tensions on set and behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And so, but you can see it in the performances that everybody's just kind of, I don't want to say they're phoning in their performances, but there's just something missing from these characters that we have all come to know. There's a spark missing. And yeah, like they're walking. Even, yeah, they're, like they're sleepwalking through. Even the yeah. music felt off. Like, you know, the familiar themes that, that they used in every film, you know, were just, they were almost like they were off a beat. And I don't know, the whole th- and the whole thing just felt like it was, they accepted the inevitability that this was going to be the last one. And I don't even know if, if that was actually a done deal it was released, that this was going to be the last next-gen film. Um, I mean I know they marked it as a, a final journey and all that kind of stuff, but I mean there was still, I thought, some hedge betting as far as whether there might be another one. Oh, well, know, think, the, beef, yeah, the, the,
3: the whole thing of Data being killed was Brent wanting to do that, just yeah. like Leonard in, uh, in Wrath of right. Khan and changing his mind later, even though everybody would say – because he would say, I don't want Data to get old. Because he's right. an android, even right. though in I think it's inheritance where he they say in on screen he has aging. An, yeah, yeah, an aging yeah. program Yeah, whatever. It's also kind of sad about Nemesis is they were so proud of that little scorpion fighter that they fly, which is kind of a cool idea. Yeah, they're, it is. They're running around inside this. Huge, oh, by the way, talk about your ironies. So the worst Star Trek performing movie of all. Oh, it, it, very quickly. Put some of the blame, if you're not l- lumping it on Stuart Baird, put some of the blame on Nemesis's – purely their box office total, on the idiot Paramount marketers who tried to cram it into that James Bond and Lord of the Rings holiday schedule Ooh, instead God. of swallowing I'll their ego the- a little bit and putting. <laughs> yeah, or did I say, yeah, whatever, like a Harry Potter. They could have swallowed their ego a little and either bumped it up to November or put it back into January. But no, it had to. they had to put it in the meat grinder there with Harry Potter and James Bond and whatever else was going on. And which which Bond movie yep. was out back
0: then? I think then? it I was uh, the last one with Pierce Brosnan.
2: Was it Die Another Day?
0: Was yeah.
4: that
2: it?
0: Yeah, that was it. Yep. Oh, man.
2: Anyway, it just yeah, got okay. shredded. It got shredded. They, well, they... I mean, that's actually what happened with Star Trek V. It came out in 89, the summer of 89, with everything that was released by every studio that summer. I mean, <laughs> Batman, Indiana Jones. Yeah.
6: And, you know, I mean, it, got,
2: it got hammered. Yeah. It never had a chance. Even if it had been better, it would, it just didn't have a chance.
0: Same thing happened with Weird Al's UHF, but I digress. <laughs>
2: And, you know, when they
3: when they, uh, they released Wrath of Khan the same year as E.T. and uh, and, and Blade Runner and Tron. and Oh, wait. Wait. It didn't get eaten up. No, it
0: didn't. <laughs> Good okay. point. Well, it, had, it had Space Mullets. It had Ricardo Montalban. Um, space Mullets. And the Seti Eels. Seti Eels. I mean, what's not to love, right? Boy, I really killed that. Anyway. <laughs>
3: I, I was thinking about chomping just... an apple, yeah. which is now the icon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we still got to get no, through. I, I was going to
3: say real quick. The, the thing that's ironic about Nemesis, is, as much as everybody boos it, is it it had uh, it had some renegade Romulans in this huge fucking ship that didn't had no need to be that huge fucking big in space. <laughs> so that'll right. never get used again, right?
2: Right. I never could figure out when the when the Remans come aboard the Enterprise and they're trying to take over the Enterprise. Why somebody just doesn't turn the lights on? <laughs> <laughs> because. <Good point. laughs> You know, like, turn the lights on, and they're blind, right? They can't see the- in the light. <laughs> no, nobody thinks to do that. Computer lights. Get, film the- over. <laughs> you, know?
3: it, so. it, you obviously missed this very strategic <laughs> subtle point of the, the Riemanns strategically picked the world's hugest fucking Jefferies tube. <laughs> <laughs> now, it needed. An-
2: Jeffrey's two that was like Jeffrey's Canyon.
3: You know, it was, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. was just beyond the capacity of the
0: ship. So, oh, that's awesome. That's good stuff. So now that we've talked, uh, everybody has uh, has said everything they need to say about Nemesis. Does anybody else, Damon? I know you probably Wait, have... uh, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> Damon.
5: I think I did all of them in like one rant. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, he,
0: he, okay. Good. I just wanted to make sure that everybody get, everybody felt that they've expressed themselves. We're all clear from Nemesis. <laughs> anyway, so Enterprise, 2001. Um, you know, it's the prequel to TOS. I have to say, though, coming into Enterprise with fresh eyes, again, within the last... Um, when when did we start watching that again? The last couple of years?
1: Uh, I think last year sometime, yeah. Yeah,
0: last year it's pretty under, underrated and, and I know a lot of fans don't like it. Um, but I have to say that the cast chemistry from enterprise is better than the cast chemistry from Voyager. What do you guys think?
4: Leaps and bounds better. I like that cast. I, I actually wish they would have continued on, but unfortunately I didn't get my wish. I, I actually liked enterprise from the start Yeah. And, and, and I wasn't tied to the fact that it's the, it's before TOS, and I think that's what a lot of fans get hung up on was that it's before TOS, and their technology is more advanced and all kinds of stuff. And they're like, "Oh no, no!" As opposed to going Archer and Trip, that's that's a good combination. There, Flocks uh, is really fun to watch. Right. I kind of like Reed. Uh, what happened to Mayweather? Because uh, you know that actually is the guy who got lost in the shuffle. Right, but uh, Insensato, in- 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 uh, all those characters, I actually liked way more than anybody on Voyager and I think part of it was the writing, part of it was the acting.
2: Somewhere, somewhere, Travis Mayweather is still sitting on that bridge, waiting for a line. <laughs> <laughs> well, that poor guy happened, got so shafted.
3: The, the, hit, the lost episode of Enterprise was the one where Daniels comes back from the Temporal Cold War and is giving, he pulls Mayweather aside and shows him a vision of the future and it's called uh, Harry Kim. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs>
6: oh, <man. laughs>
3: it was hardly a uh hardly a precedent there that yeah but they right. yeah they just decided that he they had cast him too young but they gave him they gave him some bones eventually
0: yeah season four we saw the one with uh, peter weller um gosh what is the name of that episode terra prime it's terra, terra
3: prime. prime and uh and deep demon yeah, different names yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, he was and, – and the one where we see um, the freighter crew with the Nausicaan. I'm terrible with Enterprise episode names, by the way.
1: And that other one with the um, – Horizon. The yeah. name of the ship. The yep. alien entities that are non Oh, that's a one.
0: fantastic episode. A, that is actually – yeah. I think that's oh, the, season the, the, four. The
1: Kleenex aliens? Yeah.
0: The Kleenex <laughs> aliens? <laughs> yeah, it's it, that's the observer a g- one or whatever. Yeah, the yeah, observer I one. I, I don't know what it's
3: called. Yeah. Isn't that, oh, yeah. show. No, I was wrong. No, yeah, the uh, they were um uh, Organians. Is that it?
2: Is that it? Yeah, they were supposed to be Organians,
0: yeah. Oh, okay, so that makes that actually makes a bit more sense. But that, yeah. I you know, there are a lot of episodes from Enterprise that I absolutely adore. Shuttlepod 1 being one mm-hmm. of them, first mm-hmm. season that one uh, that's that 's a gem out of season one for sure, and we actually did that on Geek Fights the the best Star Trek episode of all time, and that actually that made it up the ranks yeah that, that actually made it up there. Hey Jared, what do you think about enterprise
5: i, 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 uh, I i've come to really love enterprise um, i I love it I see it as a show though where the the Go Ram Sorry to quote Firefly, but the Goram fans <laughs> got in the way of of it. I mean, from my point of view,
0: the, the white got in the way. Sorry, the white got
5: in the way. Bands, the Star Trek band got in okay, the way. Gotcha. Um, we can be a loud and very vocal bunch, and I feel that a lot of times uh, the rage is misdirected, and I think a lot of times it gets in the way of what could be a really good, positive Star Trek flow. You know, you take a look at things like Battlestar Galactica, and uh, you see how awesome that was and how those fans never challenged it. I mean, they wanted more of that, and whatever that was, they just trusted the producers and the writers to do it. But Star Trek, the longer it went... um, the more I think the fans felt like you know they do get to have a say, they do get to be vocal about this, and they do start to dictate the terms of their show because Enterprise began with such a brave premise. And the thing I love about it, the poetry of the premise, to me, has always been that this is before the Roddenberry vision has really taken hold. Mm. This is before that. And the only person that kind of has that is Jonathan Archer. And right now, it's it's young, and it's wide-eyed, and he's got a clear idea of what he thinks the universe should be. And the only thing he's got to kind of get over is his, Vul- his Vulcan prejudice, which actually is very easy for him to do once he's working with a Vulcan. But there are a number of scenes, I think really good Star Trek scenes, where he's the only one that's really rocking the philosophy and it's Trip or read going, wait, really? And that shit, I love forever. Ever. <laughs> but then suddenly, you know, it's like we start to get like muddled down and, and mixed up in this, like, uh, you know, we're not happy with the fact that he's got no real direction. We're not happy that space is so vast that, you know, he doesn't know where to point the ship. That's boring. That's boring. Right. And, like, suddenly, like, Starts to get mutated and like changed in like this, uh, something I don't even know because it won't even, it can't rock, you know, that original brilliant idea of just having that center chair and, and just excited about what's next. And I'm so sad that that seemed to bore fans because I was totally into it. Yeah. And then you can like feel it just happen. When the Zindi destroy uh, Florida, which you know I'm totally for. I'm totally for <laughs> that kickoff. But, but you feel that uh, like some kind of machine engaging and going, "Okay, we need to like alter this. We need to kick this up a notch. We need to do something different because this premise we've started with just cannot take hold with a bunch of snot-nosed fans." that can't get on the page with this poetry. And so I'll watch it and I like it. Uh, The third season that I have a hard time with because that whole Vindy Expanse thing, I just can't do. But, but I do. I just, every time I think of enterprise, I just think of the youth of Roddenberry's philosophy and it captured so well in John Archer and I just see it just lost and going over the heads of a lot of the viewers, and I hope this all made sense. But no, it did. That, that's how I, Enterprise. That's how I see Enterprise.
0: It made you feel young, like when the world was new.
5: <laughs> exactly. Why was that irony and sarcasm? Goddamn, <laughs> 30.
3: <laughs> 30. We don't. We don't have to mourn Enterprise. It will as long as we keep it in our hearts, we'll not forget it. That it's in my Netflix it. cube, right?
2: Yeah.
5: <laughs> I'm sure you're talking about the first season of Enterprise. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I liked I, I I still like Enterprise. And we've we've uh we're far into season four now, uh when Manny has taken over and the tone of the show has changed. I, I did notice though that with uh, season four of Enterprise that the filming quality or maybe it was the lighting or, or something changed it didn't look quite as good as season and, and just from like a process
5: they cut the money <laughs> no,
0: that's it it's that whole money well they issue. also
3: went everything went digital in the fourth season too
0: oh, okay gotcha. not that that
3: I mean they ever adapted it so I mean that's something I totally have to yeah visual, okay. so
0: gotcha so what do you guys think Larry and, and Dayton what do, what are your thoughts on Enterprise
3: I Real quick, I mean, the the latter, like I said, DS9 and all the movies onward, and that I'm tainted because seeing them so close here, but they really, Rick really got into Enterprise like it was a movie, and really the, the secrecy around that was so much, and they made this huge attempt, I mean they were letting, they let some people go, they were making a huge attempt not to be the same old, same old, because they wanted a huge fresh start and a new look and a new vibe, because they also knew that. The franchise was running on this. This was going to be the next big huge deal, and even the old, you know, even Westmore and Curry and Zimmerman, all those guys, they almost like did auditions again for them, and made everybody go through the paces and all that. And then I think that they 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 sat down and tried to write. They wrote like six or eight scripts before they had a cast, and. There was a lot of adjusting there, but I I really think the second season got kind of I think all the things they wanted to do just things just got away from them faster. Like they didn't want to introduce phasers and transporters and or whatever. They didn't want everything to get sophisticated too fast, which makes total sense. And I think it kind of wound up doing that a little bit. And um and the second season just the story writing, there were some some plots I think they used to make fun of the B and C plots that and Pillar used to have them do on Next Gen and stuff. So. But some of those second season stories were just very thin. Yeah, and, definitely. Um, and that was what was – I mean a lot of the stuff was – but even with all that, and, and one more thing, Manicoto, God bless him. He was not the first person to want to do what he got to do. He was just the guy standing – and I'm not damning him with faint praise here. He was the guy that was standing at the right place at the right time and had the goods to be able to do it. Gotcha. But there had been a lot of people, aside from their staff writers, who were aching at the bit to do – more obvious tie-ins to you know, the Kirk era and they just didn't, weren't allowed to do that quite, so anyway, here's a, here's a in the Zenda year there was a uh, a pirate, in fact it's the pirate bunch that Archer, they get ripped off by and he says, I'll never do that to anybody and then later on they play it where he does do that to somebody and it's his darkest time those guys wound up being named the um, Osarians like Mike Sussman said, they were Irish dinosaurs um <laughs> He originally wanted to make those Orions. Mm. But at the time, it was like, uh, I don't know, that's a little to green people. I don't know. Well, by fourth season, it was, oh, the Orions, right. a cool thing. Right. I mean, kudos to them for finally doing the Andorians. Rick had this thing about Star Trek aliens aren't bug eyed monsters with antenna, which is stupid because Andorians are Andorians. But, you know, kudos to them for doing that and doing the radio control thing. But
0: And Jeffrey Combs coming on as Shran, which yeah, is yeah. our favorite. Jeffrey Combs' character. There you go. Anyway,
3: Definitely. I'll, I'll, that's my uh, Enterprise rant. I could go on about Enterprise the way uh, – good and bad the way um, – I, I could rival Jared on this, I think, but uh, I'll <laughs>
2: shut up. I'll shut up.
0: So what do you think, Dayton?
2: I remember thinking when I first heard about Enterprise and I still am in love with this idea is what it – the potential it carried by being you know the story about how it all began. Mm -hmm. that's what drew me in because that was such a rich history a rich part of Star Trek's history that period where the show was going to be set you know the the founding of the Federation and the Romulans, the Romulan War and all that kind of thing there was a a lot of potential for that period of time and my big beefs about Enterprise were like Larry said they weren't allowed for whatever reason to try to tie, make it make themselves really look like a prequel to the Star Trek we already knew They, they started off with an idea and then like Larry said, they they didn't weren't supposed to go so far so fast with the technology and the exploration part of it. But you know, by what the fourth or fifth episode, they're already exploring strange new worlds and they're using the transporters and they're you know they're not really phasers, they're phase pistols, wink wink, <laughs> and you know that kind of thing. And that, if my big deal with the first season was, I thought they went too far too fast as far as the exploration angle. I would have liked to have seen more. Um, you know, trials and errors with the technology as far as, the, you know, the Warp 5 engine mm-hmm. and you know, the other. Th- I would have liked to have seen some growing pains mm-hmm. for this period of history because it's the first such vessel that does this. I would have liked to have seen more of that. Maybe even not even going into space so much in the first few episodes until they get their legs or their feet under them, that kind of thing. I would have liked to have seen that. And I would have liked to have seen an o- more overt ties to the latter Star Trek series as far as the chronology goes. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I wish I guess my problem was they said they wanted to be a prequel but they didn't act like a prequel for the first couple of years they just acted like another Star Trek show they were basically right. Voyager or next gen but with you know lesser tech and different uniforms
3: and the irony there was that all the fans who were griping no we don't like a prequel. They kind of well, you feel like yeah. they got one they got a non prequel because well, they did yeah go right
2: exactly it didn't act like a prequel, and that was my big beef was like if you're going to be a prequel if you're going to be a prequel to Star Trek, then be a prequel to Star Trek, accept what you are and make it take advantage of that situation, you know warts and all yeah you know show me how show me how you decided that you know yellow shirts looked cool that kind of thing i I mean I'm being facetious there, sure. but I would have liked to see sure. more overt ties. To that, those periods and more more found you know, laying the foundation, I guess is a better way of putting that. Not necessarily <laughs> tying, tying in, but I would like to have seen more laying of the foundation of what we already knew. Right. I mean, and I that was my big disappointment. But there are some gems in Enterprise and there are some great episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the episode. It's I'm blanking on it. It's the one where Archer the the uh, is it twilight. Where he you know where he has set, the retro uh, memory loss the retro memory the, loss for yeah the time travel the kind of, is taken yeah, care of. Yeah, yeah. yeah yeah that one that's a great that's episode that's a fantastic episode the two the two episodes that precede the finale are fantastic episodes mm-hmm. with Peter Weller you know with RoboCop yeah definitely um, Which and says
3: he feels like if all the criticism that's the finale of the show yes. yeah. yeah with Uh-oh. the group standing there at the end and they're founding the the precursor of the federation that's what they yeah. feel like is their finale
2: that's a, to me, those are, some, those are some great episodes, and I think Enterprise takes a lot of heat for being a prequel just for being a prequel that's, that's undeserved. Um, I think it, as far as the look you know versus technology versus the original series, I had no problem with that. I thought the uniforms were probably the best uniforms ever for any mm-hmm. of the shows. They were the most practical. They were the most functional, and they actually looked good on the, on the people wearing them. Right. I liked the cast. I thought the cast was probably the best core cast since Next Gen as far as the the way they played off each other um when i say core cast i mean you know the 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 people in the opening credits i mean ds9 wins hands down for the supporting cast right but i thought the core cast was probably the most interesting since next gen um i just think it takes a bad rap in some areas It's, it's got its flaws sure some of those stories are kind of thin and some of them plot along i thought the whole temporal cold war thing was a waste of space yeah that's just it was an unnecessary distraction they didn't need that extra hook you're talking about, you know, these are the dates. You, you, when you've got a show that's how Captain Kirk got to be Captain Kirk, that's basically, you don't need anything else. That should be enough. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Star Wars. Oh, you know, how did Darth Vader become evil? But a little pod race. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it's that kind of yeah. thing. You don't, need, you don't need that extra crap. You've got the great hook right there.
0: I wonder if that might have played into it, though. I mean, I know that was around, it was two years after Episode One came out, and everybody was doing prequels at the time
2: what is this episode one you speak of? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I wonder if that own... kind
0: of, I wonder if that bred an environment of, of fans hating prequels.
2: Probably. I mean, fans hate because it's popular. It's like Spock's brain. Everybody calls Spock's brain the worst episode ever. I'm like, it doesn't even make my top 10 worst episodes. <laughs> I mean, <'cause> it's, it's, <laughs> if you've actually watched all the episodes, you can name 10 more easily sure. that are going to be worse than that yeah. episode. But it's an easy one because that's the one everybody remembers as being the hokey one. Right. You know, so it's, I, I don't, buy into the to the prequel rage and the remake rage and the reimagining rage um i don't buy that that's just fans being you know they gotta that's how you click on a message board right. is you hate something
0: yeah that's the new so, saying what were you gonna say yeah. larry
2: i was gonna say real quick the, the the last plank i forgot i lied a minute ago when i
3: said I'd shut up <laughs> the whole prequel thing not about the show so much but from i mean i'm a background fan and the minute you get the idea, and the you know it was bad enough with the original series and all the little bits about the eugenics wars and blah 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 and different people writing histories and trying to do a timeline, and I'm not talking, and Mike and Denise did a great job, but I mean some of us were doing timelines way way back. And then next generation, you set up the big framework and you went ah, and that opens the door. And then you have you know everything from Yesterday's Enterprise to whatever the Tomed incident and all this stuff, and you got Kirk to Picard, and you got this big. Universe, not only of, this, of the of the geography, the geopolitics, but the time, and it's like geez, and of course, like Dayton said, the one that's begging to be told is the founding of the Federation, Romulan Wars, blah 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 blah, right. and all these people that were this, oh, we don't want a prequel. Star Trek is supposed to be moving about the future. It's supposed to be about the future. I want to go. The, Archer's time is our future. It's all <laughs> the future, idiot. You know, it's like it's yeah, like, Star Trek is yeah. about moving yeah. forward. Oh yeah, it's I like, love no. that
2: line. It's about moving forward. <laughs>
3: It's yeah, like, you know, yeah.
2: we've been there. It sucks. That's all we backed up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, it's, no, it's 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 about the, exe- you know, it's about holes in the execution board and the concept, right. which is why I, you know, I, that's why I kind of was cringing a little bit going, oh, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. And, uh, but yeah, that whole, that whole mindset about, I don't know if it came out of Star Wars or not, but that prequel mindset, I wanted to say, Shut. just like I did with the next gen people, the, the haters were going, it's not Spock and McCoy. It's not real Star Trek. Mm. Get it off of here. I'm not going to watch it. With next gen, and it was like, shut up! It's cheat you know, show. Shut up! What do you you know? Get out of here! Leave. Watch something re- else.
2: It also and reminds me that even DS Nine got shafted by Enterprise in the summer before it premiered because they were having these commercials that were showing up on UPN oh. with before Kirk, before Car- Picard, before Janeway. There was an you know yeah. there was another oh, and like nice. wait a minute wait a minute you missed one and, you know you yeah, like, missed one. All- all the DS Niners came out of the woodwork pissed off about that. You just our captain. Yep,
3: you know? all the, yeah, yep. Comedy rule of three. That's what they said. it was.
0: Yep. Yep. It's, it, it, it's uh, one of our favorite um, series that we watch now. I mean, not that we don't love them all. I've burned out on kind of TNG. I watched that for – after I bought the DVDs, I ripped them, and uh, I put them on my phone and what have you. Uh, but uh, I've kind of burned through those, and now we're watching TNG. I mean, uh, Enterprise – flocks can we can we say enough about john billingsley i don't think we can
2: john billingsley is one of my favorite Mm -hmm. actors today working today yeah the man man is fun to watch in anything he does
0: yeah and he's i honestly to me he's my favorite doctor i know that and i don't have the i like i like deforest kelly a ton (laughs) i like deforest kelly a ton but I'm, actually I'm, dead, with, okay. <laughs> I'm more,
2: I'm more uh, enamored of John Billingsley, the person, versus yeah. Phlox, the character. I've, heard, I've never heard a bad word spoken about John Billingsley, and every time he's shown up at a convention, he's always been highly regarded as a guest. Mm. And I think there have even been occasions where – I guess he was a guest a few years ago at a convention that just totally imploded.
3: F- Fed Congress. And,
2: FedCon USA, Mm -hmm. and he and another actor whose name escapes me basically stepped into the breach and rescued this thing from being a complete disaster when they could just as easily have thrown their hands up, taken their appearance fee, and gone home. Mm. And they stepped in and made the weekend something worthwhile for the people who had paid to to, to see these guys. And I hear he's he's very well read. He likes to talk about books. He has a book club that he does – holds discussions on all the time on his website or web chat or something. He's just apparently a very – Cool guy on all fronts. Is he and he's a hell of an actor.
3: Yes, uh, Mike Westmore is like the most laid back one of the major design. They're all they're all great guys, but Michael Westmore is the one that you and your and your. Your dog without a bath and your kid mm-hmm. with a dirty diaper could walk up to and start talking to, and he would just <laughs> jump in. And I don't know where that image came from, but wow. <laughs> and so and what conventions uh, have you been going to? And Joel <laughs> you've seen a few of them. Yeah. And uh, and Billingsley is that way. Well, I mean, the, the night they had the TCA uh, screening, were the television critics, and not being a TCA like full television critic member, but just hanging, you know, uh, piggybacking onto the Star Trek angle. They had everybody on the stage, and all the press asked some questions, and they have some barbecue out front. And he was the one that I went over and talked to, and it was really strange. He was, he he obviously knew of, it was the fourth or fifth damn show, and they all knew what they were getting into, and hopefully they'd go seven years and yada yada and all that. And you could just tell that along with with uh, Scott Bakula, he was the most. Se- you know, nothing against the younger actors, but he was the most seasoned of the crew, the one who was the most laid back about it, and the one that I walked over and wound up talking for thirty, forty, five minutes, and it was really funny because I, I remember taking a. It's like you only get to talk to these people once before everything sets in. Mm. You know, and that, and the pilot hadn't aired yet and all that yet. And it was really interesting to talk to him because he was, you know, the most experienced just working man's journeyman actor. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean he was the one that the working actor and had the most bits and had been with pilots that didn't sell and, you know, movies and the whole thing and was just so down to earth and I was like, you know, this is he's going to be the the easy one to talk to over the years and 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 then I find out how grounded he is and you know, does charities and helps people out with their stuff and connects people, and it's just so. And, and Bonnie is the same way, so laid back about it. And
2: yeah, what's really okay. funny is because you see him in everything now. It's like I, I mean, mm-hmm. shows that were on before Enterprise, it's, I, I didn't know who he was before Enterprise by name. I didn't know who he was, but now I, I see. It's like I'll be watching an old rerun of something. Hey, there's John Billingsley, or and it's and he's always wearing the same horn rim glasses. He's always playing basically mm-hmm. a variation of the same kind of character type. Um, you know, the intellectual, introverted guy, the socially awkward intellectual guy, but he's or in, a, he's in oh, everything. <laughs> or, yeah, 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 but he's in everything. It's like, I I even saw him in a rerun of, the, of like an early episode of The West Wing, you know, which predates Enterprise, and he's he's some yeah. nerd guy that's come to the White House for a meeting with one of the staffers or something. Yeah, but he, yeah, he's all over the place. It's funny, uh, but yeah, he's seemed like I've never actually seen him at a convention, but every time I hear somebody talk about him at a convention, it's always in the most glowing of terms. Well, you have to do something to remedy that sometime because he's he's getting out a lot. So,
0: yeah, that's yeah. It it, it has been a while since we started this, so maybe we should uh, we should start wrapping this up. Um,
2: Not going to talk about the old, the new movie. (laughs) Going to let it slide.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking about that. Star Trek ended
3: in 05.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I yeah. Maybe we should talk about Star Trek. Uh, I I call it Star Trek Eleven, Star Trek XI um, instead of just Star Trek. Uh, and I liked Star Trek, the movie, the new one. Um, it's actually, it's funny, that's how we ended up starting Subspace Communique. Um, it was actually a month before the movie came out. So it was the perfect timing for us with all the the news and, and everything that we could report on. Since then, we've seen dry, you know, lulls of Star Trek news. So it was like, wow, I could actually do this forever because there's so much news. And obviously it was from the new movie. Um, but it, we, we saw it opening night, I'm sure, just like the rest of you guys, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. I came away thinking, you know, this is, this is actually pretty good because um, I, I didn't really have too high hopes for it. I think, though, the thing that sold me for the new movie, uh, because I was, and, and charity can vouch for this, I was dead set against it when I first started hearing about it. But what sold me was the comic uh, Star Trek Countdown. The tied the TNG universe with uh, the alternate universe, mm. um, and I think to me that kind of seems like uh, Kurtzman and I always say Orsi or is it Orky? I've heard it both ways. What do you it's guys? It's Orsi. Orsi. Okay. Yeah. I, I think that that was almost and maybe that was more Roberta Orsi than Alex Kurtzman, but it was kind of their swan song to fan to existing fans to kind of draw them in. I don't know if you guys read Countdown, but. That's what really sold the movie for me. What did? I'll, I'll, we'll go ahead and talk about it. then. What did you guys think about the new movie? And, and maybe we should start with. We'll start with Damon, and I'll remember this time that you actually, you actually spoke. So
4: <laughs> uh, I'm opening my door. Opening the door. Uh, yeah, uh, I I I loved Star Trek. Uh, I think I saw that ten times in the theater. Wow. Uh, I saw I saw it a wow. week early. Cause I got I got tickets to go to a press screening, so I saw it a week early, and I was bordering on tears after "I love you, I love you so much." And then the big Star Trek comes up, and the music mm. comes up, and I was like, "Oh my god, that's so great!" And then I saw it on opening night in an Omni Dome, an Omnimax dome. So not even IMAX. It was a dome, and wow. a, I love that movie so much. I it's it is my favorite. Of these Star Trek movies, as odd as that might seem, but I, I, I love it. And and actually, uh, I, I knew I was going to love it when I met, uh what's his name? I can never remember Siler's name. New Spock. Zachary Quinto. There you go. Zachary Quinto at the Experience. Because he was there, and I was the guy who happened to be running the ride at the time, so he was coming through both rides, and he was extremely nice. Much nicer than he ever needed to be. And uh, there, there was a moment in, when he was going into Borg Invasion, he saw somebody he knew from college. And he, they went through Borg Invasion, and then he came back and started talking to the cast of, of Borg Invasion for like five or ten minutes. And he was just there, he was a really cool guy, and I was like, he's a really nice guy. If they translate just the, how nice he is into the film, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love it. And I did, I loved every moment.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm down with it too. Jared, what did you think?
4: Oh man.
5: Um it was a big deal when that movie was coming out. Um I was uh I got it right away when they started talking about it and it brought JJ Abrams on board. I mean I already knew that this was this was gonna be exactly what Star Trek needed to go I mean, I think it was always kind of mainstream, but it's always been kind of like poke, poke, nudge, nudge mainstream, but I knew that this was going to be how it was going to break out. And I knew that the box office was going to be thicker than anything we'd had so far. And I, I just trusted everything about it. So as the cast got announced, I just got more and more excited. Um, when we weren't allowed to see the set, I got more and more excited. And I just knew And I wasn't really buying into a bunch of hype. I just knew and trusted Star Trek 09 because they were making the right decisions. And then the movie came out and it superseded where I already was at. Um, That movie, I mean, I think that, you know, if you like stand back and really like analyze it, maybe, you know, it's not the greatest plot ever, but it is such a great film. And Star Trek really needed that, and it's the biggest slap in the face to Star Wars fans, because they have three movies that are trying to be as badass as that one, right. and they couldn't nail it. They could not nail it down. And we got that, and that's Star Trek. Star Trek owns that. Star Trek stole Star Wars' style of storytelling and fucking rocked it out <laughs> and it work. And it can work with better characters. And the characters are all there, they're all plugged in. And moreover than that, it was actually a film work of art, which is something we've never had. Right. Star Trek fans are largely filmically dead. Unless you go back to Star Trek the Motion Picture where you got Robert Weiss, who's an actual author filmmaker, you know, and he's actually doing something filmically, which makes a lot of trucky snore and yawn, but I still think that's the best one. I love Star Trek motion picture for days, but here you got JJ Abrams and he is, um, experimenting with film language. He's bringing in this lens flare idea, which is totally tripping him out. And he's totally pursuing it to no end or a great end or whatever it is. At least he's doing something. I mean, it was brave. Star Trek works on so many brave levels with, operates as a, as a good film, but it also operates with the kind of enthusiasm that kids get together and make a movie in their backyard, you know, and it, they're using mirrors to like emulate the sky. I mean, I mean, that energy is so well communicated through that film. I mean, the film supersedes the story forever. The actors supersede the story forever. And all it does is make me want more. And I love Star Trek: O Nine. I think that's a brilliant move, and I think it's exactly what Star Trek needed.
0: Yeah, and and I completely agree. You know, there's got to be a consenting or a, uh, a dissenting, I should say, uh, view here, um, Larry. What did you think of uh, Star Trek?
3: Well, for a long time there, it's like be careful what you wish for. It's like I was saying, I was so close. I mean, I waited through all those movies before they were, you know, piece by piece. The next gen ones, the original series are still like these pristine things of my childhood. And the next gens were all like you saw the sausage being made into, you know, laws, and boy, it came, and I and there were a lot of times, especially with its, was that was that, was that too much for you? Insurrection and Nemesis were both the ones where I really wish I had been able to walk in and just seen the trailers and walk in and see them fresh and not know so much that it weighed it down, you know that, right. and and boy, with Mister Secrecy there, you sure got your wish. <laughs> with O nine, and even then, you knew what people were worried about, and canon, and oh, it's good, it's okay, it's an alternate timeline, and blah 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 blah, and all that. And even then, there were some things that came at me out of left field. Like I was, you know, queasy when Uhura kissed Spock because mm-hmm. I, I had no clue about that happening. And it took me. It literally took. It was really interesting because I said, "Well, you know, be careful what you wish for, Bucky. You get it, and you're seeing this one at uh, near point blank range." And you know, on one hand, kudos to to them. For doing, the, for doing the alternate timeline just to preserve the prime universe and all that, although I think it's hysterical that they called Spock, Spock Prime, because to me that makes this the subprime universe, which, you know, all the trouble <laughs> we've had with subprimes the last couple of years. But uh, it, it was, a, it was a, I thought the strongest thing about it was the cast. The casting was amazing. Um, but here's, here's, I loved it because it still brought out some little fanboy moments for me because I'm so cynical and jaded that anytime that still happens, I almost treasure the Ability as much as the moment, mm. and when um and I had no clue about this either. When they get in the shuttle, at, when Kirk meets McCoy, and they're there on the shuttle, and McCoy says uh, he's griping and griping and griping, and he says, "Yeah, yeah, you know something about his ex-wife and blah blah blah." And I'm thinking, "Yes, by God, they've got the divorce on film. It's canon, even if it's all ultimately- <laughs> canon." And then the yes. very next breath, he says. Yeah, and she picked my bones clean or whatever. And I'm like, No, 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 no. Okay, is that gonna is that gonna be the alternate universe? It's okay, it's not sawbones from the civil war, it's okay. Anyway, but I you know and then I find out they added that line in the moment on set that wasn't a scripted
0: line. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that.
3: But yeah, but anyway, so the fact that they you know, the fact that they took this thing and ran with it as any decent filmmaker would do in the in the you know, the twenty teens now, the twenty aughts. <laughs> I mean, because the, I think the mistake people got into was exactly thinking that insurrection, nemesis, and first that all the past, the Berman era, or even the you know, God, the '80s and '90s movies, were what a quote-unquote Star Trek movie had to be like and look and feel like. Because there's the there's the story, and then there's the visuals, and then there's the you know, direction and pacing and editing, and they're all three different things. And the thing that's the least controversial is the pacing and direction and editing, and the thing that you can play with the most, and. And it's almost like 180-degree swing from poor Stuart Baird's thing where, yeah, I mean I would expect a J.J. Abrams movie or any of any other top 8 or 10 or 12 directors to run and have this run. I think a lot of people got trapped into thinking that if it was Star Trek, it had to be ponderous and slow and you know two steps behind and cheap on a budget and all this stuff, and it didn't have to be. So the fact that it's just like, wow, you're just all – I mean at first when people were kind of mixed up and they didn't want to praise it too much, old, old people that were very vested – Especially a lot of professionals who were vested with the old franchise, older franchise, everybody would say, Oh, it was a fun ride. It was a fun ride. And not mean that as a mm. as damn with faint praise at all. But because it, it was. And I thought the cast from day one was, was that way. And, and the story for what they had to do, because if you think about it, a lot of this is just like motion picture and generations. You have to restart. You know, half the movie has to be taken up with exposition and, and getting all the hoops jumped through that you got to start off with, and I think the next movie is going to be a lot harder to write because you don't have that crutch for a third or half the movie. Right. You've got to hop right in and get it going. But um, it's grown on me a lot, and I still go back and go. You know, the whole thing of having an alternate timeline is a conceit because all that really means is because you're not doing a whole different. You're you're just a little you know paranoid about the canon because all you're doing is picking what canon you want to keep mm. and what canon you want to tweak whether it's background or characters or you know whatever it's like the joke I say at conventions about if you have any complaint about the movie and the timeline the ultimate come is well the Kelvin blew up it's like gee why was check off. <laughs> Five or six years closer in age to Kirk in the su- in pro- in subprime than he- JJ Trek that he was in the prime universe. Well, the Kelvin blew up, and the che- Mister Mrs. Chekhov heard about it back on Earth and just said, you know, let's just wait five or six years. <laughs> and <have that> <laughs> but you know, aside from that kind of thing, it you know it does work, and you know, good God bless them. The best thing about it was it did the the evil master plan for Star Trek. It got people thinking Star Trek was cool again. People under forty could like Star Trek. It can be a video game, and they will trot out and buy the old DVDs and the old, you know, original and next gen and everything else. And I don't know if it's to a man, but that, or to a person, but that's, there were tons of people at Vegas that year. I was shocked and amazed at how many people came in totally new. They were there. They were totally only JJ fans who were, you know, retconning themselves back into fandom. And I was just shocked that it was that big a thing. So, you know. Uh, so it's I've I didn't walk in a hater at all, but I did have some natural human because I saw it three or four times the first week it opened too at different screenings and um, it took me th- it literally took me three screenings before I was able to intellectualize the Spock uh her a bit but mm-hmm. other than that and go back and say oh original series they played with this and I got to talk to Michelle they a did bit about Charlie it,
5: but... X and Charlie
3: X yeah yep <laughs> <laughs> yep. But that's my two bits.
5: Also has the seventeen-year-old girl that Rand tries to pawn Charlie off on, who's in a uniform. Blows yeah. my mind. <laughs> Love it. Love it. That's
0: good. You know, Dayton's been awfully quiet during this whole thing. I'm curious to. Uh,
2: that can't be. Yeah,
0: I'm curious. <laughs> to, I'm curious to see what he has to say.
2: No, I've I've been listening with great interest to what everybody's been saying. I had a ball with the movie. I, oh, I, that's cool. I, I enjoyed the hell out of it. I was. In the beginning, when I first heard about it, I was, you know, cautiously optimistic. I believe is the trademark phrase. But the things that started to convince me that it was going to be something fun to watch was, uh, first of all, Leonard Nimoy bought into it. It was en- it was enough for him to come out of retirement after you know so many years, and I'm like, well, okay, that's kind of a stamp of approval. Um, yeah. I got to meet I got to meet Zach Quinto at a convention in Denver that we go to every year called Starfest. I met him almost a year before the movie came out. He had, you know, they because they at the time they were pushing toward. A, they had just made the decision to go from December '8 to May of '09 for the release date, and so this was like April of '08. He was at this convention and he was walking around the convention he was checking out the dealers room he was dropping in on panels he was hanging out at the parties that night on saturday he was you know having a good time with the convention not putting on a show he was legitimately having a good time at the convention and he stopped by our table to talk to us and you know we were talking about so you know so you guys write star trek books that's pretty cool And he was flipping through stuff on our table and i said yeah i've got one coming out next may uh, right as the new movies coming out so don't screw that up for me and all of his little all of his little skirt hangers all took a, a, a you know, one of those deep, shocked breaths, like oh, I can't believe he just said that. But he laughed his ass off and he thought that was the funniest thing he'd heard all day and he says i will definitely make sure that that doesn't go bad for
0: you that's and he, awesome
2: and that, it was great it was a great line and even my my co-writer kevin he looked at me like i can't believe you freaking said that. <laughs> then, then he stops back and he goes wait a minute i should have known better you're gonna say something like that you're the only one here with the nuts big enough to do that <laughs> i said i just it was just came right out of my mouth i didn't even think about it and i just i remember seeing the look of horror on his assistant's face or what a bodyguard or hmm. whatever I just I just and I because that was my favorite memory of that weekend was seeing the look on that guy's face that's awesome but then I think what, what's what sealed the deal for me that that I, not so much that I was going to have a good time but that the studio was confident this was going to be a big player was the Super Bowl commercial they paid that money to have an advertisement mm-hmm. during the Super Bowl and I thought okay these guys are serious about this movie they're not just throwing out another Star Trek movie they're they're starting from scratch. They're they're going for broke on this one. They're not. It's not just the same old same old. And you could tell just from the trailer that it wasn't going to be the same old same old. Um, and I and like every like Larry and Damon, I, I saw this thing five times in seven days the first week the week before it came out because of a PR firm uh, got a hold of us and had us come out and do some things to tie into the different screenings they were having around town the week before the movie came out so we got to see it five times including twice in one day oh wow Uh, i saw it once (laughs) in the morning i saw it once in the morning over breakfast because we we had these theaters where they you they actually bring you out breakfast a full-blown breakfast buffet you know they'll they serve it to you at your table while you're watching the movie and then the uh then then later that night we went to go see it so i mean i was on overload that that week and i loved it more each time i saw it it was just that much fun and that was the big thing for me is it was fun. It was more fun than any Star Trek movie I'd seen in 10 years.
6: Yeah,
2: definitely. I, had, I, was, I was telling people, I said, I had fun at a Star Trek movie at the theater, which is something I have not been able to say since Galaxy Quest came out. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So
2: it was, yeah, it was a bl- And people I knew who had no interest in Star Trek whatsoever were telling me, I just saw Star Trek over the weekend and it kicked ass. Yeah is it all like this? I'm like, sadly, no, <laughs> you know, but, but, you know, here's where you can go. And, uh, yeah, even my mom who does not like Star Trek liked that movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It Which was to uh... me
2: was the ultimate win. I'm like, see, I told you.
0: <laughs> and it made it's money. Up. That was, that was a big key. It made, it was, money. Huge. Yeah. It was
2: a huge. Everybody was talking about it for that first, what month it was
1: out.
0: Yeah. And I say, we, when, when I was talking about our experience with it, what, what did you think when we saw it the first time, charity?
1: Um, yeah, I totally dug it. I wasn't as jaded as you were going into it. Yeah, I it was, was pretty jaded. I was, uh, pretty dazzled by the, the visuals that I saw in the commercials. So I thought I'd at least have fun in it, watching it. Um, but, uh, yeah, actually finally seeing it. Um, it was great. I, yeah, we I, were so stoked. I, I totally walked out of
0: there. Yeah, I totally
1: one
2: of the reasons, one of the things I caught, con- I made a conscious decision to do was I didn't Get wrapped up in the idea that it was going to be a you know break from canon, or wasn't right. going to it wasn't going to. I just I just said you know what it's going to be a clean reboot. I treated it as a clean reboot. I was, uh, you know just like this is this is not the Star Trek I grew up with. It's going to be different, but hopefully it'll be enough that I'll enjoy it. And I enjoyed it exactly for what it was, which is just a reboot of Star Trek. Um, I got. I don't care about the alternate timeline or the fact that it's you know. Blah. I don't. I didn't care about any of that. All I wanted was a fun time at the movie theater watching a Star Trek movie, and I yeah. got what I paid for.
0: Yeah, um, and I, and I thought that uh, one of the the things that I didn't think I would like, which I ended up liking, was Chris Pine. For some reason, I didn't think. Chris, that yeah, I was Chris Pine. Like him.
2: I really dug uh, Carl Urban. I right. thought he nailed McCoy. Yeah, I, I'm a huge Bruce Greenwood fan, so I thought he did oh, a, a yeah. great job as Pike. Um, you know, there the movie's got problems. Yeah. Every, I mean, there are flaws in the plot. There's flaws, you know, there's flaws in the science. But, you know, there's flaws in every one of the Star Trek movies. So and we yep. forgive them. We forgive everybody forgets Wrath of Khan, where Chekhov can't count to six about how many planets are in the solar system. <laughs> you know, and nobody has Wikipedia or Google on the Reliant to check to see about this system. You know, so It's like, um, but we forgive it because Khan is a rocking movie. Yeah. Um, we forgive those kinds of things but so i'm like why why we can't do that with the new one i don't know i had a ball um i would i would love the, and the idea of having these characters you know that i've been watching literally since i was in diapers brand new clean slate able to do anything you want with because of the way they handled the alternate timeline is genius because yeah. and they, and they they wasted no time demonstrating the potential of that when they when they hammered vulcan you know, I'm like, okay, these guys are playing for keeps. This is not just going to be a hunky-dory movie.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: It was fantastic. Yeah, it, it wasn't just Vulcan. Uh, I, I, it's Spock. Spock well, I mean, is,
2: Spock, I mean, Spock's mom. I mean, one of the things – but one of the things Kevin, my writing partner, brought up when we were discussing this movie at a convention was, you know, it's a great bit for Zach Quinno and um, – Ben Cross when they're playing because Sarek basically tells Spock, you know, throughout the original timeline, Spock's big problem was having to deal with his dual heritage and the emotions and everything else. And Sarek basically tells him at that one point in the movie where you know they have the, the one-on-one in the transporter room, he basically says you have you are, it's okay for you to love other people. It's okay for you to express that. There's nothing wrong with that even though you're of this culture where we frown on emotions. he gave him basically that. And saying it's okay that you miss your mom, it's okay that you love your mom. That's what you're supposed to do. It's there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. It was a great moment for the for the character, and it really helped, you know, Zach Quinto as far as him being the new Spock for me. That and, and whole yeah,
4: I loved I loved the fact that Nimoy did a great job, but the thing that Quinto brought to that character was emotion behind the eyes. Spock yes. in the original series. Mm-hmm. He was always very well composed, but with Zachary Quinto, there was always that little bit behind the eye of, he could oh, just snap uh, and go crazy. When, and, when,
2: <laughs> when he tells the Vulcan Science Academy, oh, live long and prosper, mm, and you can yeah. almost hear the tag, motherfuckers.
4: Yeah. Yeah, you can <laughs> almost hear it. it exactly. I it's, love it's, that about his spot. I
2: love that line. It was great. And, um and, uh, not, and to give further praise to Zach Quinto, he does the reading for the novelization of the movie, you know the novel that uh, oh, no Alan mm-hmm. He does the, the entire novelization, and this thing is done – unlike a lot of Star Trek audios, there's no music, there's no sound effects, there's no, nothing. Uh, it's just Zach Quinto for, for seven hours or mm-hmm. however long it takes to spin this out. And he does a great job relaying that story as it's told in novel form. So um, you know he, he he does well with all the different accents. He's able to bring you know give every voice an identity uh, instead of just reading it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. He he basically became like almost like a de facto ambassador for the new Star Trek. You know by doing these different yeah, conventions. He he was, I think he was the first guy from the new cast to do a convention. He was I the mean, yeah he was yeah. the only guy to do a
3: convention. Yeah he convention. was the only
2: one that really and I don't, I don't I think some of the other folks have done minor things. He was the first one that jumped in with both feet.
3: Yeah, well, he yeah. came from that background, and he rose. I mean, John Cho is going—I saw—is going to be at Vegas, but no, Zach was the only one that would do convention, convention. They all did their their uh, uh,
2: junkets and press tours and all that, you know. Yeah, like, but the, he was the only one that actually yeah. got on a plane and went to someplace like, like I said, Denver, more than a year before the movie came out. He yep. was there. Yep.
0: Yeah, and, I was actually disappointed yep. last year that Bruce Greenwood had to cancel for Vegas because, like you said, I Dayton said I, I loved Bruce Greenwood as Pike. I mean, that scene in the bar. When he's that's that oh when he's giving Kirk. Kirk the business yeah oh, dude that's yeah
2: I hope they find a way to use him I, and that was one of my my things was when when they show him in the wheelchair at the end of the movie I'm thinking oh man they're gonna waste him they're not gonna let, they're not gonna use him again they're gonna they're gonna find some way to stick him in the wheelchair you know from now on right I hope they don't do that I hope they find a use for him in the next film some, somehow because it's a great character and mm-hmm. he's a great actor so
0: let's, let's hope that he can speak in more than just binary in the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Oh man,
5: that would rock. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: don't know, I guess it kind of would. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he yeah, he was that that scene. One theme,
5: just that scene. Just and
0: what was that?
2: that? That that one scene with Kirk is 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 that's that's that did it for me. I was like cuz they yeah. showed that in the trailers, you know. They they were using parts of that from the trailer. I'm like this movie's going to rock. That yeah. and I knew that 6 months out. That was my gut feeling even though I was still on the fence a little bit about, you eh, they can still screw it up somehow. They can find some way to dork it up. You know. Yeah. And uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, minus, you know, the obvious things that we could nitpick all night for science and plot and you know conveniences of plot i mean it it was a roller coaster ride that's what it was
0: yep and it was and that's well what done. i want yeah
2: and it was a well-done roller coaster ride now the like like larry says the trick now is to is to one up themselves with the next movie and hopefully there'll be more emphasis on the characters and the interpersonal dynamics and all that kind of stuff i would really like to see a story where kirk has to basically get a little bit of a comeuppance because he's still kind of too cocky you know Mm-hmm. I would I would like to see something where he has to learn from a mistake, yeah, that and and start to become the Kirk we all know.
3: Well, and huh? and live with that. Quit that fast promotion that so many people. Well, that's criticize. what I mean. I, yeah, yeah, I would like yeah. to
2: think I would like to see that. I think there's a story there to be told about him basically getting to going too far too fast. You know, to repeat a tr- something we've been talking about and and have to learn a harsh lesson, I, I, and and then become oh, the yeah. Kirk that we know. You know, that we know from the show because he's relatively young <laughs> commander in the original show. Sorry.
0: Go ahead, Jared.
5: No, that's okay. No, um, is, is there anything that uh, you guys would want to see in a new movie? Like uh, that would be like a quaint homage to uh, original series, Kirk. I, I that want would be Kirk, really cool.
2: I want a. I want torn shirt. I want foam rocks. I want <laughs> Kirk. <who>? <laughs> yeah,
5: <laughs> talk about earthy. I, 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 would love, to see, I to love to see if I would love to see Kirk. Talk a computer into blowing itself
0: up. Badass. <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah, I want to oh, see, talk a computer to death. That's what I want to see.
0: I want to see Archons. That's what I want to see. I want to, to
2: see the drop kick. I want to see the flying <laughs> drop kick and the, the, the Kurt and Fu. I want to see Kurt And Fu. the and the roll, the drop and roll.
0: Yep. Or yes, Landrew. Oh my the, the
2: Taggart, uh, the commander <laughs> tag drop and roll.
0: Yeah, how, how about um, what was his uh his inshore leave? What was his nemesis from uh oh, Finnegan? Yeah. Fin- Let's see him.
2: I haven't heard any. I mean, every everybody's been yammering about who the bad guy's going to be, and they, for some reason, people fixated early on Khan being yeah. the villain. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, n- no, they won't do that. I, I I would not believe that for a microsecond oh. that that's the way they would go. But if I'm Bob Orsi and and or if I'm Roberto Orson or if I'm those guys, because I keep screwing up their names, I would fester. I would feed rumor for two years, <laughs> you know, just to screw sure. with fans. Sure. I would, yeah. uh, I would absolutely screw with them for two years. Well, the ago. people oh, that gonna were, and it's, it's going to be the guy from Bosom Buddies playing him. he <laughs> 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 <You're> talking about <laughs> Balky.
0: Yeah. Uh,
3: the, uh, <laughs> no, that, that whole meme about, gee, uh, now that we've, uh, I mean, some people were, ser- uh, seriously, some people were saying, okay, now each, each movie should now be the alternate universe version of Wrath of and Search for Spock and Blood and Blood. It's like, well, that's about the most, you know, intellectually, dramatically, creatively, you know, bankrupt, <laughs> vacuous thing you could ever do. Yeah. Oh, now because like, oh, now we're we're gonna see what they did with this plot only in, you know, everybody's gonna have a goatee on or something. Now, no, <laughs> no, no. That's, I mean, that it's was, was kind of
2: it's, it's a fun exercise as fans to go through the chronology and go, okay, they could still have that story, they could still do that story because there are certain stories that would not necessarily be altered by the timeline so much you know like the doomsday machine is you know theoretically still coming right you know the, the whale probe is still coming you know it's just the circumstances yeah. about how we deal with it are going to change because it doesn't have to be kirk finding the doomsday machine it doesn't have to be kirk finding the whale probe you know that kind of thing but i mean so that's a fun exercise as fans but in reality you know they're not they're not going to spend all this money and all this effort pumping energy into this franchise and then go right back down the road they've already they've right. already traveled right exactly you know there's just it's no like way that.
5: i don't I I disagree, though, because uh, I think that uh, going with something familiar might be a cool thing to do. And I don't know. I don't think Abrams reason...
2: has that in him. I don't know if Abrams has that in him to do that. I think he likes well, to flout convention, you know?
5: But, he, but he's not writing it. I mean, you've got, like, one original series nerd writing, one TNG nerd yeah. writing. But so, again, now Damon you know, Lindelof, Lindelof Lof, who's, like, the biggest nerd of all of them, is finally coming down to actually work on this script. Yeah. So it's like... I I think that doing con I think would be really awesome
2: because I, I, I would just I would love it. I would uh, love it if you know, he comes good. out. He, he, fading out on me there. You're fading out there somewhere. I would love it if Kirk um, came out of the gym one morning and somebody says, "Hey, did you hear about this? You know the 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 the, the Farragut. They found this Botany Bay. <laughs> and they That guy was an asshole.
5: <laughs> so, so, oh boy, I hope it goes good. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd love to see that. That's just something that would easy. that would be adorable, but. The thing is, is that all, all these Star Trek movies, they all have to have these invented villains every time. Oh, yeah. So I think it'd be actually refreshing to have a revisit. And we have the opportunity like, for it. If they're gonna but, because that. every... To meet a new guy with a new fucking agenda, with a new fucking thing, every time. Well, so I'm the problem like, is.
4: I'm
2: Ahead, if, do, can't get, if they can't get Ricardo Montalban, it has to be Dana Carvey. <laughs> <laughs> well,
4: but, but the problem—that's
2: <laughs> <laughs> reaching back for a joke. <laughs> that is,
4: yeah, yeah. The problem with Khan, you keep saying familiar, but he is not familiar to ninety percent of the people that watched that movie and loved it. I'm, I guess 90 is a little high, but most of the new fans aren't familiar with Khan. Right. So he would just be – he would be as – They are now. They are now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they are now, but I, I, I don't need Khan. I don't want Khan. I think Khan, Khan is a villain for, for Shatner Kirk. This is a different hmm. Kirk. I, I, yeah, I think a lot of these things are great as
3: tangents and things to play with you know not maybe not as obscurely as the old if you're smart you'll see the little tribal sitting behind Scotty in the right. delta vega lab not that obscure or maybe a, you know different different levels different things but i don't i don't think they should run away with it totally run away from that totally but uh, you you're talking about all the people the personalities and where they come from involved they love to call that their supreme court and not that this was a camel designed you know horse designed as a, by a committee comes out as a camel but there's a lot of there's a five way thing going on there, and you know they, the the fanish geekiness of Kurtzman and Orsi got tampered back for good or for bad on all kinds of things in the
2: creative process along yeah. the way. So,
4: well, I mean that that goes
2: you back know. to what we were saying. It's films are you know films are a directors' medium. They they call right. the shots. So they would if Abrams does this thing, he will you know assert control again and rein in the the fanboys on the writing staff. I I I just I just I just yeah, I, I get what you're saying, Jared. I just, I'm like, I can't believe they would go that road. At least not, not, not the second movie out of the gate. Now, may, right. maybe, maybe the next one they might, but I, I would like to see them do something completely different. I know they're going to have a villain. He's going to be pissed off about something, but, you know, hopefully,
6: hopefully <laughs>
5: you
2: know. But, I mean, I've heard rumors that it's going to be Gary Mitchell. You know, I've oh, heard that rumor. And I'm like, okay, uh, Oh God,
5: I love that fucking rumor. But, yeah,
2: but again, you know, it's like, yeah, and, I, and I have no I have oh no, for all I know it's BS, just like the con one. But again, if I'm the guy's in the bad robot office, I'm like, yeah, feed that one. Yeah. That'll get up stirred up. Sure. You know, and here's the different. thing. We saw you saw Kirk's
3: academy all that we're gonna see, unless we have an absolute literal flashback. You see uh Kirk's academy years that we're gonna see. And yeah. the main thing was that he was the I mean Prime Kirk is. I was positively grim. I was like a stack of book with legs. Yeah,
2: but to and, me, I, which that's, I. That's, yeah,
3: yeah. I was Go gonna ahead. say which is exactly opposite of the of the punky one here without his dad. Well, kind yeah, of but, thing.
2: I, mean, I was gonna say that was the the main reason is because he didn't have the father figure in his life. You know, so right. that's the that's the easy the easy justification for why they're. Personalities.
3: So you get – so I guess the, the thinking this through, by the time he gets to the Academy, he started to turn his attitude around, and so maybe he's not, he's not the punky, punky guy. What I was going to say was people like Finnegan and people like uh, on, on the negative side and then Gary Mitchell on the, on the well, partying side were his, were his best beds or, or people he was involved with, and we didn't see or, or hear or talk about them at all. Partly because I this think, is a new situation, so
2: I think he is a punk. You know. He's still a punk. He's just a punk with potential. That's yeah. what Dave Mack said. In the uh, one of the, uh, the they had a bio uh, Star Trek Captain's special on one of the cable channels, and they interviewed Dave Mack, and he said that that was his line yes. about Chris Pine's Kirk was you know he's a punk, but he's a punk with potential. Mm. Right. And I still think because if you if you look if you look at the storyline, he basically lucks his way into all of the good things that happened in that movie. Because he spends most of the time getting beat up. Right. And then, you know, circumstances, just the dominoes fall just the right way so that he can win. And then, um, but at the end of the day, and then at the end of the day, he gets worded with the captain, of, you know, captaincy of the enterprise, which of course, that's probably one of the bigger, holy, you got to be kidding me moments of the movie. But, um, obviously they wanted to set it up for the next flick where everybody's in their familiar chair. Um, but I, that's why I'm thinking there's a, there's a great story to be told with you know, this young captain, this newly minted captain with and, little to no practical experience, screwing up in a major, major way as the as as driving plot point, yep. for, you know, now putting him on the path to being the captain that he will become as we, that we know.
3: Mm. I the think thing, there's a
2: story to be told there.
3: Yeah, and the thing we – and tying into that, the thing we keep overlooking here that, that, that people forget is that we're we, – I was kidding <laughs> about Kelvin and Chekhov. But seriously, Kirk was thirty four, thirty five when he you first see him in yeah. the original series. Yeah. He's, I mean, forget about canon tie-ins because they can play with anything they want to, just about. Mm-hmm. But he's
2: he's, he's about a, the same age. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He's well, he's six. Well, he was twenty six in this last movie versus thirty four when you Something first see like him. Something like that.
2: Twenty five, twenty six. So, so
3: and they, if they allow a couple years to go by, or they don't, either way, he's still got. He'll still be six eight years younger than you saw right. him. As yeah. far as just anybody maturing on their maturity level as, a, as an adult, so.
2: Yeah, he's yeah, got he's totally. got room to grow, and I think that they yeah. would that would be that's the that's the place to play with you know a, yeah. the storyline is is the development of is a, as a, regardless as of a, the
3: backstory, he's a much rawer critter. Rawer absolutely, but period. to me that's <laughs> where
2: that's the
0: potential. Exactly. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. yeah it, I'm I'm really looking forward to Star Trek uh, 12. Uh, let's hope that the uh, the odd curse hasn't switched to evens this time, and hope that it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, and I, I heard rumor uh, on the con front. Uh, That Nestor Carbonell uh, early on they were saying that he had the possibility of playing con he looks like Ricardo Montalban I think that's probably what that was fed from but I'm down with any movie that Batman well is in so I'm totally (laughs) I'm on board with that Um, but yeah we're definitely looking forward to to Star Trek 12 Um, now that we're in in the fourth hour of episode 10 of life after track I think we should probably uh, bring it to a close yeah exactly (laughs) But yeah, I, you know, this, this ended up being so much more than I thought it would. I knew that we'd have a lot to talk about and we've had some really amazing conversations here Uh, and I really appreciate you guys joining us tonight. It's been absolutely fantastic. I can't be emphatic enough uh, about how much I've enjoyed this. I know that uh, you guys probably have something you'd like to like to plug. I know Dayton, you have a couple projects coming up if you'd like to like to mention those.
2: Oh, I wasn't even thinking that line on that line. I was just here for the fun of it. Um, no, but
0: definitely go ahead. We, I'm sure folks out there want to know what's going on and what's I, coming up. I,
2: I get, if, if you're interested at all, I am one of pop books stable of Star Trek fiction writers, and uh, we have a book coming out in June called uh, – it's part of the Star Trek Vanguard spinoff series. It's called Declassified. It's a collection of novellas set in that series. Uh, each of the four people who are the principal architects of the Vanguard storyline have contributed a story to this collection. will help fill in blanks between in and around all of the five books that have been in the series so far, and we set the stage for the next two books in the series. Then my Kevin and I, Kevin Dilmore and I, have our Vanguard full-blown novel coming out in September called What Judgments Come. And any of that information is available at my website, DaytonWard.com.
0: Yep, and be sure and go there and, and check out those two novels that are coming up. Um, we've, we've talked about them on subspace Communicate. You guys can go there and do a search if you want more info as well. Uh, and I know that, uh, Damon, uh, and his buds over at geek fights put on a fantastic podcast. What's, uh, what's coming up for you guys, Damon?
4: Uh, <laughs> all kinds of craziness. <laughs> uh, uh, what? We just did a uh, worst of track. We're gonna do another uh, Star Trek Star Wars showdown. <laughs> uh, we've we've got a Father's Day episode coming up, a Mother's Day episode. Uh, let's see, a uh, best '80s comedy, most annoying character, uh, best cop movie. We do it all. That's awesome,
0: <laughs> and that's at GeekFights.net, right?
4: That is correct.
0: Right on. Yeah, we love that <laughs> show. We've actually been on a couple times, and, and Charity will be on there soon solo uh, with uh, the Star Wars episode that's coming up. Definitely. I, I decided oh. to not, not be on that one. Actually, they didn't ask me. but
3: Solo, <laughs> Star Wars, I get <laughs> it. Uh-huh. Oh, hey. Uh-huh. And it
0: all comes full circle. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and, and of course, Jared is the well-known blogger at com with Hey Star Trek. Uh, you guys can check that out. Go ahead, and, and what do you have coming up? Do you have anything coming up there, Jared?
5: Oh, damn. Wow. <laughs> this, this took everything I could possibly say away from me. Um,
0: you know what? Let's yeah, let's well, recut that then, dude. We'll totally yeah, out.
5: No, no, hey, no, Jared, no, who are you? No, seriously,
0: dude. I'll recut it. We'll we'll do it. I'll do it right oh, this time. You don't
5: have to. No, no I dude, I, to- I, I totally fish. want to. <laughs> <laughs>
2: where 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 is the, where are the Trekcast guys? Where you guys disappeared on yeah. us? What happened to Trekcast?
5: Um well that that's the thing is is uh I am the blogger for trekcast.com. I myself could not get to the Trekcast website. I have no idea why it's a one website that my IP will not access. It's been like this since January. And I don't want to bore anybody with any details, but um I got a I got a nerd buddy who thinks he might be able to set up some kind of proxy server that I can access and then try to get the TrekCast, and I can go back to writing, because i got a lot of stuff I want to write about Star Trek still. Um, up and coming, uh, I've got an appearance on uh, Damon's show Geek Fights, which, uh, if nobody's listening to it, is actually a very brilliant contribution to the Internet. Um, what they do is they uh, argue about all these nerdy aspects of one particular topic, And they bring on a panel, and you can be on the panel if you uh, contact the Legion of Geeks, which is all detailed on the show. I'm doing a show uh, with them, um, best Joss Whedon character, which uh, I'm excited to hear, but I'm also cringing because I just taped it, and I think I might sound like an asshole. But um, (laughs) I'm also planning to maybe contribute to the geekfights.net Tumblr site which is run by Karen a pizza girl at Twitter Um, I'd like to do something with the Joss Whedon stuff that's coming up because I am a big Joss Whedon fan other than that uh, I hope I have cooler more epic things to plug not quite Dayton Ward level but maybe (laughs) something like that coming up this You'd year. You have to reach
2: that low, man. I can't you
5: can, talk you, about you, it
2: yet. You can you can exceed those expectations very easily.
5: <laughs> oh man, no, I I, want, I I would be so happy at a Dayton Ward level where I could just say to like Zachary Quinto, and hey don't suck. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna I wanna I wanna be at, at least that level by the end of the year and <laughs> I've got some projects I'm brewing that I can't talk about, but I'm hoping that they're gonna come together.
0: And you can get to subspace communicate, right? Because you know we would always take a uh Hey I Star Trek. can go to
5: subspace. Communi- yes, I go to subspace. Community. Okay. Are you saying that you want me to blog for, for subspace? Absolutely. Yeah. In a heartbeat. Oh my man. God. You heard it here first. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. In a heartbeat, man. All my nudity hey. pictures up there,
0: <laughs> man. Yeah, no, that's yeah. And if you guys out there, if you haven't read any of Jared's, Hey, Star Trek stuff, you're really missing out. It's some of the funniest stuff on the internet. Uh, and I'm not just saying that cause you know, he's my buddy and, has bought me a Miller High Life in a brown paper bag. So, yeah. Ah.
5: <laughs> well, that's just, that's that's just love right Net there. Has, has a total archive of all the stuff I've written for TrekCast and also has links to uh, the Facebook page yep. and everything
4: else.
0: Yeah, and you can fan them on, on Facebook. Hey, Star Trek on Facebook. So. Yes. So I think uh, next up is Larry. I know Larry's got uh, some conventions coming up and you also have that new web series, right?
3: Uh Oh, well, yeah. I, I don't even think about think of that because it has nothing to do with Trek. But um, uh, yeah, just for starters, Vegas in a big way. We'll do our, some of our, our – uh, the, the, I call it the Star StarTrek.com memorial trivia the way the old .com used to do it, but um, that and prizes. And I'm going to do a presentation about the, the lost anniversary of this year. I'll just let you linger on that, but I'll, <laughs> I'll be dealing with 1986, not so much 1966. Um, which is the 45th anniversary this year And hopefully going to have some Meetups, party, tweetups kind of things With different people um, That weekend, have my table uh, Promoting com, And I'm way behind on posting archives And uh, the Trekland blog Which I've got some really fun um, That little convention I was just at Actually met the guy who wrote the first RPG Star Trek uh, book The Big Purple Ugly Cover purple planet cover.
0: Oh yeah, definitely.
3: Black front. Right? Yeah. I just love it how you 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 know, you go along and you stumble across these things just where you don't expect them. Anyway, I've got uh, that and some uh different video to put up as well as uh, stuff that I'm behind on. But um working on a documentary about an infamous convention that happened way back ago, um but I haven't publicly announced it yet, just sneak peeked it, but so keep keep tuned for that. Uh, still do the columns, the Lost and Found column and the Fistful of Data column in the original – the, uh, the Titan, the official magazine, Star Trek magazine, and working with the Japan Fact Files people, uh, the stuff that we're doing over in Japan that the rest of the world doesn't see. And uh, the most surprising, shocking thing of all is I'm, I do a little bit, a very tiny bit of guest acting legit in a new web series. It has nothing to do with Star Trek, but it's very wickedly funny called Divine White's Intro to Hollywood that you can Facebook and uh, look on YouTube for and go to their site, Divine White. And it's, a, it's a, a British actress that I became acquainted with and actually did some work with her, um, actress and director-producer who's trying to break through and did this web series – It's six five minute episodes. It's about a British guru type actress person who has six uh, Brit actors in LA trying to find their way through Hollywood. And she sets herself up as their mentor. This is her latest class. And there's, you know, it runs the gamut from uh, Python to, um, you know, Spinal Tap to whatever, and (laughs) with a little bit of cruelty mixed in. So, anyway, I'm in the last (laughs) episode. So you have to wait until June 1st. So, um,. SoonerCon, Oklahoma City, my old hometown con, and then Vegas, and then uh, some some um, um, Comic Con, San Diego, for the convention circuit. So that's so that's what's going on. But I hope everybody will come over and um, check out what's going on with Trekland and um, and the site. Yeah. I have so many photos I need to put up that I have just behind.
0: Yeah, definitely. We're looking forward to those Gotta for pay sure. The bills. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there is that. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, thanks, you guys, for for joining us tonight. And uh, this is probably going to be split up into a multi-part series because I think we've been talking for three and a half hours now. (laughs) Mine
3: is a little convention.
5: It's it's just an episode of Geek Fights, dude.
0: (laughs) 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 See, mine are usually like 30 to 45 minutes. So this is like I've got literally six months worth of stuff here. So we're this is awesome. So but now seriously thank you guys so much for joining us and, and hopefully everybody out there enjoyed this as much as we did again we absolutely uh, thoroughly enjoyed it but thanks again for joining us. Oh, Chris, thanks for having us. Yeah. No, thanks it's for awesome. Us thank, you it was a lot of fun.
3: thank you guys. Yep. Thank
4: you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So that was episode 14 of Subspace Communique's Life After Trek. Uh, we had a fantastic time recording this panel, and we wish that we could have actually gotten this out a little quicker uh, than we had, but we've been experiencing some technical difficulties with uh, a, a certain computer <laughs> that will will remain nameless. But we're glad we could actually get it out there for you guys to listen to. Um, if you haven't been to our site before, it's subspacecommunique.com. Uh, you can check us out on Twitter and Facebook. It's twitter.com slash subspacecoms and facebook.com slash subspace You can check out each of our panelists at their respective websites. Uh, that would be Dayton Ward's website at daytonward.com. You can check out Larry Nimichek at larrynimichek.com and treklandblog.com. You can also check out Jared Formby at haystartrek.net. There you'll find an archive of all of his Hey Star Trek articles, and they're fantastic. You really should check those out. You can also check out Damon at geekfights.net. They do a weekly podcast of a battle royale of all things geek, so be sure and check that out. We hope to be bringing more episodes to you guys soon. Uh, To stay on top of our current episodes, be sure and subscribe uh, via iTunes. There you can leave us a review, and any review would be fantastic, but, of course, five-star reviews would be much appreciated. So that's a wrap on Episode 14. Thank you guys for joining us. Hopefully we'll be bringing another episode to you guys really soon. Uh, But until then, live long and prosper.